We've got another week of preseason preseason data to discuss, and we're joined by ETR's chief spreadsheet socialist, Michael Leone, to break it all down. This is Best Ball Brunch. I mean, maybe <laughs> oh, no. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Kadarius <laughs> Tony? You can't handle the heat. Hey, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Uh, Leonie, welcome to the show. I saw you were drafting with silva last night in a five 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 have you uh mentally recovered from that yet no there is no mental recovery we'll never get back to 100 percent. you guys we'll take just, dalvin cook in the sixth round we did not but we'll uh we'll just do the best we can to get to 99 percent. but there's no return to my previous form where where is dalvin cook in evan silva's top 150 is he like is he like running back 19 we need that. I need that. I need that information because his immediate reaction was like so bullish. Like I couldn't believe how bullish it was. Yeah, he's I was having, yeah. He's got him around seventieth yeah. overall. I love. I love That's that. Man. He's just he's the best. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about before we went live here um, how we're feeling a little bit burnt out of drafting. It's kind of the final stretch. Uh, we also had a debate on multi-tabling draft. What Davis? Davis was pro multi-tabling. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely of... burnt out on multi-tabling. My multi-tabling days are, are behind me, I think. Here's I might, the thing, I, though. Here's the thing. If you're going to dedicate the time to drafting yeah. and not reading or or whatever, whatever your your thing is, really dedicate that time to drafting. Don't be don't be look don't be doing one draft and and on Discord and on Twitter or whatever. Just sit down and knock the drafts out. That that is my thesis on it because okay, i still want to be a human you being you just said sit down there you said you take your dog for a walk and do five drafts at once so there's no sitting there what how do that's you two do things that? I, that is that's, that is really difficult I that's be you're multi-tabling it while like doing something active at the same time Davis? yeah i'm i'm enriching my dog's life i'm getting my steps in and i'm i'm hammering i'm hammering uh hammering drafts. yeah see i my thing is like when i want to do a draft I feel like if I multi-table, I just do a worse version of all those drafts than I would have done if I just did one draft. So then yeah, I but, end up but multiply really those drafts and I'm exhausted. So you're not wrong, but you have to multiply. So so let's say your EV in Best Ball Mania, let's, let's say it, your expected value in each draft, I, napkin math, let's make it $50. And then let's say you're 20% or so worse on every draft. Well, would you rather have a bunch of $50 EV drafts stacked on top of each other, or would you rather have exponentially three times more drafts of $38 of expected value? I would rather have, like, I would rather have like 700 teams drafted by week one of the season to, to get as I think much I'll have 700 as teams drafted, though. It's just that I just didn't multi-table them very much. Are you just, just, just cut into my life more often. Yeah, that's, that's I'd rather have like a horrible hour of drafting and have it be miserable, but like yeah. knock out three or four then. Yes, Leone and, I, Leone and I agree. Because I still want to do other stuff. I still want to I still yeah. want to go golf. I still want to skateboard. Like I, I, I don't want to just be drafting 14 hours a day. I'm like 95% slow drafts though is how I get around oh, this problem. That's even worse for me. 
I can't do the yeah. the mental. I mean, it oh, depends how many Davis. slow drafts a minute at a time. But Davis, Davis just did the multi. You got to turn off the underdog notifications. You just no, no. I, I see. I did. I did. No, nope, I did the other thing. I have every notification on my phone except for text messages, underdog, DraftKings, and drafters is turned off on my phone. So the only notifications I get right now are when I'm on the clock or if someone texted me. No, the move. The move is you. You burn through all the. Because I've I've been in slow draft hell, okay. I've I've gone th- I've gone there. The move is you get all the drafts done, or you get as many as you can, and then you set a timer for like ten minutes before the next time you'll time out, and then yeah. you turn off the notifications on Underdog. So you you're not gonna get no. bu- you're not gonna get bugged. You just have the timer going. When the timer goes off, it's time to go check your app again. No, mm. no. If anything, if anything, I would turn my phone on Do Not Disturb. But <laughs> I just made three picks. I just made three picks while you were talking like that. That's, that's, <laughs> so that's, this is like the opposite of your multi-tabling point though. The point, like it cuts into your life more if you're doing it that way. I'm, right. I'm, yeah. I'm just on, a, I'm on a fantasy football podcast right now. It would be, it would be sure. more, it would Single be less testing, efficient. Davis. Be focused and be present with us, please. I'm going to do, I'm going to do my, be- I'm not fast drafting during the show. If you're I was fast doing drafting your best. During- while I was talking, you were drafting. You understood like the third of the words you said. That's fine. Um, let, let's move on here to the risers and fallers. Uh, there's a lot to chat through this week. Um, here's the 10 uh, largest risers from this past week. A bunch of big movement. I think the past, you know, before preseason hit, we weren't seeing 10% uh, increases in ADP from many players. This week, we have 10 of them at least that um, increase in ADP by at least 10%. So a lot of movement here. I wanted to talk, uh, start with talking through Zeke. Um, and I think also Ramondre fits into this discussion as well. He's on the list of the fallers. Um, Zeke for me is someone who I was drafting the free agent running backs. Um, I was not drafting Zeke uh, for whatever reason. Maybe that's a leak. And I've had a hard time stomaching this new price. So start with you, Leone. What do you think about Zeke ranked now um, at sort of the 150 range for ADP? Um, it hasn't felt like a good click to me, but curious what your thoughts are. I mean, it, it seems outrageous. Um, I was drafting some Zeke past his original ADP. Like his original ADP was probably correct. Like, um, like nothing really changed except we know he's on a team now. But like that was... I mean, what were the likelihood he wasn't going to sign with someone? Like, it was probably pretty low that he wasn't going to sign at all. So I, I don't really think that much has changed for for Zeke. Yeah. I mean, Anybody want to make the pro Zeke case? I'll or? make a slight oh, pro it's case. It's very, it's very easy. He gets he gets the goal line work, and Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris don't play at all, and he right. he he fat guys his way to 550 combo yards, but eight touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. Like I think, you know, if you need some early season running back help in particular, where like I mean, he's not gonna be super productive in the early season, but it's like he'll be the least dusty in the early part of the year. Uh and you're just hoping he falls in the end zone a couple times. I think around pick like one fifty is is okay. I mean, I'm certainly not gonna be excited to take him, but it's when you're building out these running back rooms you know, you get to that range and you're like, do I want to reach a bit for Ty J Spears? Cause I, I want the upside or whatever, or do I have upside? I have a Javante, right? I've got maybe a Brees Hall or someone like that. And what I'm really looking for is 
somebody just helped me get along uh, in the early part of the year, or just a guy that I know will have some kind of role for most of the year. So this is part of a larger discussion, and maybe we can get into it a little bit later. But I've really noticed, starting right about after the QBs go, Dak, Kirk, Gino, and Daniel Jones, there's basically no one I want to pick. You know, it's, it's like hor- okay, it's I, horrible. So honestly, I can't believe, and no one let Soccer Dave know that I'm saying this. I'm just taking guys I like. I'll take Jalen Warren ten spots ahead. I will take Rashi Rice 15 spots ahead. I will take, and especially once you get to the Van Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Rondell Moore, Jonathan Mingo, like literally those guys are just not clickable for me. I'm never clicking Adam. I will just take, I will just take Jalen Wyatt or Jalen Hyatt 20 spots ahead of ADP. I don't care because I'm not clicking these total dust balls. I I, I know Leone is cringing right now, but like, DJ Shark, what does DJ Shark do for this team? No, no, Nothing. No, no, no. Nothing. I here's here's so what I did. So I was in a pit bull right before this, the pit bull slow. And I am sitting there and I only have four wide receivers. And I had Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. I didn't I don't have Josh Allen on this team. I forget. I think I have Deshaun Watson or Dak or someone like that. So I'm gonna need maybe maybe two more quarterbacks, right? At least one more. And I've got this Bills thing built out. So what's the what's the smart thing to do when I need that fifth wide receiver? I ended up taking Juju. I I did it. I took Juju Smith Schuster, <laughs> and it was the grossest thing ever. But I, to your point, David, so there's no one in. I was like literally like twenty picks of you're, people. You're just I don't scrolling. Want. You're scrolling, yeah, and you're I'm, like you're like oh anything. like like so, like Donovan Peoples Jones. What does Donovan Peoples Jones do for this team? Like not like I just I don't know. So I kind of like taking, DPJ. I kind of like DPJ too. <laughs> I'm just I, taking, I like a few of these guys you guys are talking about. <laughs> I mean, you guys, like I'm just taking Luke Musgrave twenty spots ahead. I'm taking Michael Wilson in the sixteenth <laughs> round. Like I just, I'm not, I'm not taking these dust balls. Wow, this I, is I, like full on live a little capitulation from from Davis right here. It is, not, it is wild how bad round ten is. Round ten is like just, the worst round in the dude, Juju as wide receiver five is like. Uh, completely fine. You guys are so disgusting. You guys jump the shark on Juju. Like what, you guys are acting like you're being poisoned to take Juju. Like, I am. I'm. Being that's like how you should Juju. be building is like not overdoing. I know Leone, but you... I fucking hate it. I did it. Okay, Jesus. That's why, yeah. honestly, like structurally, that's why I have so much Geno Smith and Anthony Richardson because they're they're going in a range where I do not like the skill position players. So it's just so, and it's so easy yeah. to take Anthony Richardson round 10. And then you're yeah. like, all right, I can take Alec Pierce or I can take Josh Downs. And it's completely fine. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. I think some of these guys like Myers, Juju, uh, I like Myers. I like than, Myers is good. Yeah. yeah. Some of these guys I like, but I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't know. I've been, when I get to the running backs and it's like P Ryan and a chain, I've been like saying, I just kind of want Warren over those guys and reaching like 10 spots of ADP. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. dumb, but I've been no, doing no, some I, things I like that. No, I, I think, think it's um, fine. We, I just, yeah, Warren's my most drafted Warren player. So. Ahead of those guys. I think that's fine. Like, I mean, you still want to mesh your rankings with the ADP. So I don't think it's yeah. like, you're not blind. Like, I don't think anyone's suggesting to blindly draft off ADP. It's like, there's a balance between the two, right? Like, you don't want to. You don't want to like double but count and be like more. More so, what I'm saying, Michael, is like round 14. 
do I need to take Adam Thielen because Adam Thielen is is the ADP guy there, or do I take a guy who I like really like his range of outcomes better? Like, is is reaching in round fourteen structurally really like? I agree, I'm not reaching in round seven. I'm not taking I'm not taking guys in the top one hundred picks, you know, ten spots ahead of ADP. Honestly, probably hardly ever. But round fourteen, like, I just do not I do not care. I do I I am taking. Yeah, I mean, the draft capital doesn't really matter as much at that point and so we're getting new information right now i wouldn't so spend three dollars on a one dollar guy like i don't know yeah i think it's fine i i mean some of it depends on like how you're structured like dealing might just add nothing to your team right like but i do think acting like a guy like him is completely unusable in best ball is like in manage sure like you're just crossing adam Thielen off like there's no situation on the planet where you're drafting adam Thielen in a managed league right like yeah, this no was just all. This was all. This was all a long con to get you on the show and explain to everyone why you need to be drafting Adam Thielen. Well, I, I barely have any, but like you're acting like a starting. I mean, a starting wide receiver in best ball is is worth being picked at. Some yeah, point, no matter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just think Thielen's been egregiously priced all year, and it, I it's very difficult for me to select him. But I did take him over the weekend once because he fell He's to like a lot. I, I barely yeah. have any too. I'd, yeah, yeah I'm just I mean, I just he fell into me in a, like a Davis game, but yeah, he fell to me in a bulldog, like I think 30 picks past ADP. And yeah. at that point when it's like him versus like, I don't know, Khalil Shakir, like those were some of the wide receivers available. I'm like, I'm just taking like, this is fine for, this is where Thielen should go here. Right. Like that's totally well, it's one of those things two, where like two, two, two Atwell versus Adam Thielen. I know, I know where my chips are placed on that one. <laughs> well, fair enough. But I mean, I, like what's the have, actual like, ceiling on Tutu Atwell? Like, I mean, you guys talk about. I mean, David, you talk about the ceiling a lot, but like, what is he the scores? He Atwell? scores two seventy-yard touchdowns in the three-week sprint. And what if he's the guy you need, Lena? <laughs> Think about that. All right, let's, <laughs> let's keep this. Let's keep I mean, this on track. We're already talking about Tutu Atwell in, in minute thirteen. Let's. I do want to say with the with like I, there is something to to Leone's point on Thielen. Like, because Thielen's been expensive enough to, that we have to like think about the talent case we like i've i've often made the case that he's washed but like i have a ton of Devonte parker and like Devonte parker rates terribly and a lot of the other things that i that i like it's just that he's priced at a level where you're like he's a starting wide receiver so as soon as Thielen does get to the point where all you need to make the case for him is that he's a starting wide receiver then i do think we should yeah. be open to taking him it's just that I just think he hasn't been priced like that for most of the. Yeah, he's uh-huh. been priced above Mingo, which to me has made absolutely zero sense. Like that—that's where—that's why I've had none of him because it's like, why would I ever click Thielen over Mingo? But now that he slides, sure. Anyways, oh, let's. Like, what was with the Chark slander? I mean, I think hmm? Chark's fine. Well, so Chark, I think he's okay too. But man, I'm a little worried about Chark with the injury stuff and. Yeah. Again, this is just one data point, but if you look at uh, Harmon's like reception perception stuff, he was literally like the worst wide receiver that Harmon charted like last year, and it, it wasn't even close. Like his, I think he's kind of known as this like athletic guy that can win deep, and he did do that a little bit last year. Like his yards per route run aren't terrible, but his yards per route run is like worse than Devonte Parker's. But he goes like forty picks earlier, and he's paid less than Devonte Parker. I know you don't have to compare every pick to like someone who goes late, but it's just like. If I can get the routes, like deep threat guy that like maybe doesn't have anything left in the tank, I can just wait a while and get Devontae yeah. Parker and not. I also think just take Michael Wilson than him if I'm betting on a guy running nine routes on a crappy team. I'll I'll bet DJ Chark against Michael Wilson. I'll bet you will. 
I'll sure. <laughs> 50, 50 bucks, 50 bucks, Michael Wilson, more fantasy points week 15, 16, 17, half point PPR. Um, uh-uh. I mean, you've changed the bet, but yeah, sure. That's the not? bet. It's the bet. That's the bet we're making. That's not the only consideration. <laughs> But make sure, it I'll make it that. second half of the season or something like last last six. Sure, sure. Week week eight to seventeen. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Let let's keep this on track here. DJ Moore, I want to talk. Oh, through. it's not He's... on track, Sam. It's long <laughs> off track. <laughs> DJ Moore is up six picks. Uh, Why? I don't really. I don't really know congrats, why. Congrats to him on catching a screen pass. Congrats. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's purely off that camp pass. highlight. Yeah, like <laughs> this one. Okay. I will have like so close to zero of any pick in the first five rounds. I think I will have the heaviest fade on DJ Moore. I, I wouldn't necessarily have if he was at like pick 50, but now that he's rising, like, man, I'm going to have like zero, zero. I've DJ got Moore. 2% on 285 underdog teams. Yeah. Let me. I've got him on like make... a really high stakes team randomly because those are the drafts where he, he falls. Where he so falls. Much. Let like, me make uh, the bear case because I'm I think I'm the more bull. So I have eleven and a half percent DJ Moore. Oh and wow. I thought he was a pretty strong pick at the four or five turn where you could pair his potential breakout with fields. With yeah, fields. I have was, some there. I have I have five, zero issue was, with that. was reasonable. I mean that's yeah, like, and, and you know, you could I wrote an article about like how it was pretty easy actually because Burrow the dynamics of the draft for really until Burrow's calf strain meant that often because of the late second round ADPs, someone has Mahomes, someone might have Allen, someone might have Hurts on the front half of the board. So you could push fields around and you had Burrow was covered. The Chase or Higgins drafters usually there without a quarterback. They'll take Burrow. Fields will come back to the mid fifth if you just go ahead and reach for DJ Moore in the late fourth. And I have a bunch of teams constructed like that. If you're taking more in the early fourth, there's no chance you're getting in with fields. And I do really, it's like, not and the, here's the other thing i do have some more teams with drake london where i took drake london in the fourth and then more came around to the early fifth and now i've got that little mini going but there's no correlation that's really i mean i guess you could get pits at the end of the or the beginning of the, the six, or the end of the seventh sorry pits pits has been falling i've, I've got some yeah i, I, I did i did a, a best ball mania this morning on a kelsey team but i took kyle pitts in the eighth round because i was like yeah, yeah that's true. Round. Like I'm just so you could do a more eighth, more fourth pits eighth thing. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I just think he's so much less appealing if I know I'm locked out of fields. And I, I don't do. understand why he's risen up. I thought he was like an early fifth round value that I was okay reaching on in the late fourth to get that stack. But now in the early fourth, he just feels kind but of reasonably priced. Like, I think it's worth keeping in mind that he started where he's going now, right? right. Like he that's started true. there, yeah, and he dropped like when so when, oh, definitely... when it was only nerds when it was only nerds drafting off of the the spreadsheets he went down and now that now that people are seeing real football and we have more like badgeless drafters he's going back up yeah and i mean you've just got the highlight and i i think it didn't take people much to move him back up because the market kind of initially wanted him here anyway like for a mm-hmm. while there mm-hmm. like you had to it was like three four you had to stack fields and more like early mm-hmm. like very early yeah. and then it got to four five which was like as you said pat like that's totally fine like that makes a lot of sense and then i don't know i don't want to like it doesn't take 
anyone who does very much projections work to just be like the pass attempts just aren't there unless he earns a 30% target share and he's never been a 30% target share guy. So it's just, I mean, he, he could be, there are multiple ways that it, that there's, the fade there, loses. Yeah. There's he ways it be. loses. It's just, I'm fine making that bet. I, I wouldn't say I'm not scared by it. Cause I love DJ more. Like, I think he's awesome, but like the, it just kind of like you, you need some outlierish things to happen for yeah. sure. I think what people, the Bulls will point to is that Justin Fields was a very good passing prospect in college when he, you know, was surrounded by stud wide receivers. So, you know, I can squint and excuse some of Fields stuff from early in his career because he was dealing with, you know, Darnell Mooney as his wide receiver one. Like, I kind of get it, but it still feels like way too priced up. Like, I I don't know. Is he, and also like DJ Moore, he's, he's what, like, the the 20th best receiver in the NFL. Like, I don't think he's like a top 10, even top 15 wide receiver. If I was to go through him and rank him, like he's good, but is he really that, is he really that good? That's a good point. I I don't know. I'd probably say he's top 10 to 15, but even still like you've got to, I mean, make a big leap on it. It's not to to draft him where it is really not a criticism of DJ Moore, who all of us have loved for a long time. It's just the reality of the situation that he's in. And the fact that they added other talented guys to theoretically catch passes at the same time. Like you, you may be in a way, I don't know if this is true or not. You'd maybe be more bullish if it was like DJ Moore on an Island with Justin Fields. But like the fact that like, Oh, Mooney is like this guy who's earned targets and chase Claypool is this total unknown. And they, have Cole Komet, who they're going to run out there for 90% of the snaps. Like, I, Sam, I do agree. Like, it definitely has been forgotten that Fields was this, like, uber-talented. He, he was not drafted to run for 1,000 yards as a quarterback. This is not like an Anthony Richardson situation. I guess with Fields, too, though, it's not so much an indictment that, like, like I'm not saying Fields sucks and can't pass, but I'm saying they're not going to call a lot of pass plays. Right. And he takes a lot of sacks, and he scrambles yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. th- those things are who he is, like – not even necessarily like those the pat it's just hard to get to the pass attempts even if he is good yes yeah yeah and i just think you know not not to pick on this comment in the chat you know he's making the comparison to to digs and people are making the comparison to aj brown like i think that's the problem guys like dj moore is not in the same tier of wide receiver even digs in minnesota like looked way better by Harmon's like charting like Harmon, you know likes more and you know the advanced metrics like more but it's not the same tier as Diggs. Yeah. Like it's it's the a other stretch. Thing that kills me is like, like we we were on Diggs, so like it's not like we're not aware right. this stuff can't. Like like I think like Davis, we had a silver bolt team that almost won that year with Josh Allen and Diggs. Diggs, so Diggs was also a, like a sixth round pick that year. He he switched teams, right? Like wasn't he? Like yeah, yeah. But that was a huge, I had I had Josh Allen. I had Josh time. Allen and Diggs. <laughs> that was a different two. time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably similar wide receiver range that DJ Moore is going now. And like the comparison to the hurt stuff too, to me is like wild too. Like it just, it's not the same. Like it's yeah. not the same. All right. Let, let's move yeah. on. From- I think, I don't know. Oh, go ahead. If I, if I was, I'm happy now to basically take none, but I have 11%. So I'm going to, maybe I'll float down to 7% or something by the end of the summer. And I think I, I'm perfectly happy. Like I'll be very pleased with the way I played it. If I was in your guys' shoes, like, and I saw DJ Moore in the middle of fourth, I'd probably take some, because I do think he's got the potential to combine the best, you know, the best quarterback play that he's ever had 
a clear number one in an offense and Justin Fields takes a step forward and like you really couldn't take him over Christian Watson. You just you couldn't do that. Right. You know? Right. Like yeah, I mean there's like all, that. I guess the Bay Packers are all like prerequisites, pool. you know. Yeah, but I yeah. think he pays off pretty nicely at, for, at, at the middle of the fourth if he if I think he all does. three of those things could happen and he'll just be like, okay. That that's why I, that's the part I don't I don't agree. I think you're gonna be very happy with a, a fourth round receiver who is a clear number one and uh his quarterback to step forward because they're gonna throw more if that happens. I I'm projecting they better. <laughs> I mean they, they better. <laughs> I'm projecting them to throw like way more already. <laughs> so yeah. But what do you have yeah. as target share at? Probably something reasonable, right? 25% like, or probably like 25% with like yeah. a ceiling of like 30%. All right. Well, in that ceiling outcome, he's not he's not paying off pretty easily. 30%. Oh, I'm sure he is, but like when you mix like the bets and I'm like Yeah, yeah. I, but like it just the math is so against him in targets. Like it's hard to even like I mean for him to like he might have like a hundred targets. Like oh I mean, god. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, I like, mean, that is, that is so, that is so dire. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm off on that, but I like, mean, no, no. A hundred target season for him could be a 30% target. I mean, that's 20, that's 25% of 400. So like, it's, it's not really that far off. Yeah. Justin yeah. Fields' passing line last year was not that much better than Cooper Cup's receiving line in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. <laughs> Leone, that is people That's people amazing. say Leo, people say people say Leone has his nose buried too far in the spreadsheets, but that is that is evidence of just uh, <laughs> a sharp analytical mind, right? It there. Is. Step out once in a while. Let's move on to Darren Waller here. Uh he's also kind of a just preseason hype highlights riser to some extent. It's not like we learned new information about his role. Um I I'm kind of out on him at this rising ADP just to age concerns. Oh, I, do I, see I am chasing. I'm chasing. You're chasing. Yeah. I mean, I see oh, the I'm ceiling. Out. I, don't I think see I'm the ceiling on the target share. Um, I, I can see how he is just the Giants clear number one wide receiver. I think he'll play in the slot. I think he'll play on the outside. They'll kind of move him around and, and scheme this for stuff months. for him. But for months we've known this. But this yeah. is so the 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 ADP change is just you know, I mean, it's it's that old fantasy adage, like, oh, I got to see it, you know, and now people have seen it. They've seen that all this yeah, stuff huh? that the guys at training camp, you know, there was that there was that story that uh, the, the Giants sent him home from practice one day because Daniel Jones wouldn't throw to anyone else in practice. And then we saw it in a game and everyone's like, oh, shit, it's it's real. And then the other thing with Waller is that people have been so snake bitten with him. I think that was a huge part of why he was so cheap to begin mm -hmm. with is that every mm -hmm. like everyone's got a Darren Waller story like. Oh, I drafted this great team. I got a sick value on Darren Waller, and then I just held him on the bench forever, and he did nothing, you know, or whatever. He still so, for Kyle Pitts last year, Davis. Oh, <laughs> just, say, just say no, because I think we had a bet on that one. <laughs> no, I think you and I um, had a bet on that one, Leone. Uh, I'm pretty indifferent on Waller right now. I know it seems fine. Like Pat was making a good point about like the correlation stuff. Like I really do like Daniel Jones at values. Like to, like, yeah. Yep. To just structurally take like elite tight end and know you can get Daniel Jones at good stack. Seems I was doing sense. that a lot 
when he was in the seventh, I would do that a, a lot. Yeah. Like I'd be like, oh sweet, I'll just take and you have Cooper Cup, and then you reach for Dan for at the time reach for Darren Waller a little bit in the, you know, like the seven oh four or whatever. Then you go back and get Jones. It was a lot of fun, but this new price is nuts to me. Yeah, you do. You do have to take him I here. Know, I don't know. I don't know if it's nuts, but it's definitely high. He went in FFPC main slow that I'm in right now. He went in the third round, like middle of the third. So he's definitely. I haven't seen him not go in the third round. In yeah. FFPC. Yeah. If you, I mean, it's, uh, also, if you, it's been two years of kind of poor performance from. I mean, mostly due to injury. Like you can chalk it up to injury, but it has been since 2020 that he's really been good so uh, yeah like like as a market like you're weighing the risk reward and like early on it was like oh people don't realize that like waller can get down the field and is going to be like the wide receiver one and now it's like people have totally forgotten what you said sam that like he hasn't been good for a couple years and he's kind of older like yeah the thing with him too my last point on on waller is just if the Giants wide receiver, like I do want exposure to Daniel Jones. So if the market was forcing me to pay a premium for Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, then I think I would capitulate and take some Waller because I want some Jones stacks. But man, those wide receivers are just completely free. So I do understand like it can be week 17 and, and Waller is the guy and not those wide receivers, but just like cost adjusted. I'm just like, man, let me, let me stack up two of those wide receivers for nothing and pass on Waller. Look, I will eventually have probably like 25% Darren Waller because in two years, everyone's going to be like, he's dust and he's going to be he's an 18th round pick. Gerald. And yeah, and it's like, yeah, but he's a big wide receiver, plays tight ends, and he still can do that, even though he's going to, you know, get a rotational usage now because he's because he's old. But at this, I don't want to be in on the guy who's got a rising price who wasn't good in 2021 like leaving aside 2022 and he had this really deep a dot and was kind of used to like clear space for Devonte adams and i mean that's that's a big red flag in its own right but 2021 was also a down year and he turns 31 in september and he's dealt with the number of soft tissue injuries over the course of his career like this just strikes yeah. me as a very fragile like elite tight end is already kind of a lower advance rate more of a playoff bet but if it's a playoff bet and i'm taking an older player that also Man. worries me so brutal for my pro i i was just checking stuff this morning and i i did get a little bit of cold sweats seeing i just didn't realize how much kyle pitts i had seeing 997 dollars of entry fees associated with kyle pitts just to this point with a lot more drafts left to go is like kind of making me feel feverish that that's a lot of it's a lot of kyle pitts i have stopped taking rashad penny but every time i i refresh my uh my exposures he, he goes still, up somehow. he's still at the top uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he he's even yeah. higher than before it's a slow draft <laughs> who's drafting slow where you took him a month it's ago, the slow draft yeah, that's what it is yeah. it's slow draft finishing up that's i actually didn't realize what it was until now you're right it's all my fucking i have draft. pat i have that same problem i i keep trying to get penny off the top of my exposure list but he just keeps <laughs> he he's, he can't get him off there it's brutal i got a little bit of i got a little bit of alpha here before we move on to uh to deuce vaughn on DraftKings slow drafts so when you enter them that's the adp and the ranks that stays in that individual draft so i just entered like so let's say you entered 10 slow drafts on monday it is Monday. If you enter 10 slow drafts today, whatever ADP changes happen over the next 10 days will not be reflected inside of that. So you're drafting off of stale ADP. So that's just something to keep in mind as you're doing the DraftKings drafts. 
Hmm. DraftKings slows are a nightmare, and I won't do them. I'm in 31 right now. I'm in 26. Good God. <laughs> I feel like the, the $10 ones, like it's so plus EV that like if I auto draft do half it. the rounds, I'm probably half the That's I'm the only way playing. I have a, a chance of finishing the $10 to do the slows. So I might I might do it. Could you just put in to. like ETR ranks and auto draft? Those you got to. Me- I still don't know where to adjust my positional settings on DraftKings. You got to adjust something there because I ended up with like four quarterbacks on a team or something. Like I auto drafted yeah. when I was in Italy. I I'm gonna do that on Drafters. I'm gonna I'm gonna upload ranks and just and set and click enable auto pick to fire because I won't be able to finish. I did the star trick on um and sometimes uh, like you don't oh, know no. how far how far down to go on the stars. So I did like a Bears Falcons thing and I went all the way down. I starred Mac Collins. So I got to the level round, round eight, Mac Collins. Yeah. Well, I got no. So now I'm in round 20 and I had Anthony Richardson and I was like, oh, I actually could use another tight end. So I, I'm going to get Jelani Woods, but Mac Collins was higher in the queue. So I was like going to change the queue and I didn't <laughs> succeed. So now I'm just like stuck with Mac Collins in my 20 round pick. But the DraftKings positional limits, I don't know how they work, but they gave me Jelani Woods. They wouldn't let me auto Mac Collins. So thank yeah, you, DraftKings. That, the positional limits are. I don't even know where to change him. <laughs> I don't know. I, I only have like but seven receivers, and they were like, that's enough. That's enough. For yeah, me. they're way too low on like running back wide receiver, <laughs> yeah. the positions you want to draft the most. <laughs> that's so, you get so like brutal. Bunch, you're going to a bunch of like, you know, you draft like Will Levis and Trey Lance in the 20th round. <laughs> oh, receiver. God. oh, God. Well, anyways, let's let's move on here. James Cook, Leone, the Bills homer in the house. Um, are you chasing up this this James Cook steam? I don't know. Initially, I was not. I, I'm i a little worried that, like, I just don't know what the workload, you know, potential for him really truly is. I was drafting a ton of him early in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But I know Lavitan likes him a lot. I know Gretch called him a target even with his ADP rising. Yeah. So maybe there's more there than I'm seeing. I'm just a little concerned that where he's going, he just can't see the – I, mean, I guess the opportunity cost isn't huge at running back there. So this is my question. To you, saying I'm pretty like indifferent. Yeah. This is my question to you. Let's say this role that he's had in the preseason, which is like super bullish, remains in the regular season. Like theoretically, James Cook with 70% of the touches, both carries and targets out of this backfield for the Bills. How valuable is that? Right? Is it like I mean you're taking him earlier than where he's going now if that's you know for sure okay but the thing so the the thing that's a little bit weird though and i i remember this from doing stat chasing last year is that you would see these weeks where devin singletary would get 70 percent snap rate like run a bunch of routes and it was still worth like no fantasy point like the bills just structure structurally just like don't really do much with their running backs, even if they're out there running routes, you know, maybe James Cook, I think is a better pass catcher, you know, route runner than Devin Singletary. So maybe things can change, but you know, with the addition of Dalton Kincaid with the addition of Deontay Hardy, I think actually like the tight ends and wide receivers are better now. So like, are they really, is this the year they're going to use the running backs in the passing game? Like we haven't seen it for two years. So that's where I'm like, if James Cook, even if he's out there a bunch, like I think we're overrating it slightly. And I do think, Either Damian Harris or Latavius Murray is going to be the goal line back. Like, I don't think Cook is going to win that over one of those two guys. So, to me, it's like, I I just think it could be a lot of empty snaps. Like, we've seen that with the Bills running backs for two years in a row. 
So yeah, when to your point too about Singletary, when he did finally hit that ceiling for a stretch, they were just running the ball super efficiently yeah. and like kind of grinding. And like I don't know if he would get the carries that Singletary got in that stretch. Like I'm pretty skeptical he would. Um, no, it's a bit of a leap of faith that they're going to use the running back more in the passing game. And I think it's not that far of a leap because yeah, Singletary sucks as a receiver. Like he, he is bad. not even, he's not even going to be the Texans third so down bad. back. It's, it's hilarious. Like they, they're going to have, he was like a passing down back for the bills and they're going to have like Daria Gumbawale or something play third down snaps and Singletary is just like an early down backup there. Um, so the fact that they didn't use him in the passing game just like indicates they know what they're doing. And they, they tried to get JD McKissick, right? Remember, they tried to sign him and Washington signs him back. They traded yeah. for Naheem Hines. They drafted James Cook in the second round. They've signaled in a number of different ways that they would like to have a, a back who can do something for them in the receiving game. And that could be part of like them trying to punish these defenses for you know sitting back and, and playing too high on them. Like They, they are one, definitely one of those teams that needs to come up with, with solutions for that. So I think Kincaid goes to that too, so they can yeah. play more power personnel. So the, the receiving side of it is easier for me to like – Yes, I don't. I haven't seen it before, but like we have lots of evidence. In addition, you know, we, when you look at James Cook and what his skill set is, like he looks like an exciting receiver. So, you yeah. know, that part of it I get. I do worry about how many touchdowns he could realistically score. You know, that's that's for specifically for underdog. That is what I'm worried about. I think yeah. DraftKings full PPR, like you could tell me he has a 50 catch season or whatever, or a 60 catch season especially if the cover high, the, the, the two high safeties continues to be a problem, but like projecting a 12 touchdown season for a bills running back. I mean, they would really have to commit to this, you know, Josh doesn't get to run around the goal line type stuff, which he might, he might just be like, sorry, dude, I'm calling my own number. Another thing that concerns me, like if you look at them historically with backs, they haven't really been great at what they've done in terms of drafting them and utilizing them. Like they've spent, a lot of draft capital on running backs over the years. And they did want to bring in McKissick and Hines, but the bills are a team that will bring players in for like really specific things. Like, so I don't know if that signals that they want to throw to the running back a lot, or they just want to have that type of running back for like specific situations, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm like articulating that right, but like, like, like Hines, they barely played after they traded for him. Right. Like, and I could see a situation where, the base game plan is not to throw the ball to James Cook. They just want to have that option for like a few mm -hmm. plays a game here and there. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's ultimately like an explosive player on a really good offense. So like, I get it, but I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, yeah. I forget who made this comp. I think it was maybe the Ringer fantasy football show that I was listening to, and they they compared like trying to get Josh Allen to use a pass catching running back is like trying to get your dad to like wear the shirt that you bought him and he just doesn't like like you give your dad some gift and he's just like keeps wearing like the same shitty like you know polo he's he'll do it once years yeah he'll he'll do yeah, it once. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a very a apt comp yeah it's just I'm just skeptical yeah I, I agree with Leone put it well like good I think a talented player and a good offense I'm just like skeptical of how all the pieces come together and Josh Allen like all of a sudden starts using this pass catching running back but I, I think it's okay it's not completely unreasonable steam I don't think well do you um, think it continues like do you think he goes yeah he I think it continues to rise because you yeah, yeah I do too because when you look at the high stakes ADP he's he quite a bit higher. higher than this yeah and I, I think that's an indication like of who I took him I took him in the sixth round of a main event 
I, I, I don't yeah. think I can do that. I don't think I'm there. I don't think I'm there either. And I, I was like, like seven turn. I mean, I was drafting. I was drafting with some guys who get very nervous about our running back two. Every year we're like starting like Philip Lindsay at running back two, and these guys just get really nervous. So they were like, "Let's just do James Cook." Fine, yeah, whatever. I mean, we have him. I think in the eighth round of a main event, which I'm obviously like very pleased with. But so I sure I like I liked him before. I'm overweight. I'm, I have like twelve percent Cook, but he's like one of those players where like some some of these guys we're going to just like have to say goodbye to, right? We had a nice July together, but like we're, it's time to move yeah. on. You know, it's a sum, it's a, it was a He's summer fling. Like, it was a like, summer fling. I mean, I'm probably personally, I'm swinging on Javante Williams before. Yeah. James I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I then I mean, I could, I'm almost afraid to say the other person I'd rather take, cause you guys will just make fun of me, but like, David I'd Montgomery. rather take David Montgomery. Than, I knew it. James I knew no, it. David Montgomery is a good pick. Don't, don't let these, don't Michael, yeah. do not let these guys. I'm, 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 Montgomery. Montgomery. Gretch, like, I'm a little nervous. I'm Montgomery. Cause like even Gretch likes him this year. And I'm like, something's up. <laughs> it's because it's because it, it gives us a, we are all at our core, the people who were doing, you know, spreadsheets like by hand and Excel on all this work at Rotoviz in 2014. And one thing we know is that running backs who weigh 220 pounds get more work than running backs who weigh 195 pounds. And Jameer Gibbs weighs 195 pounds. And David Montgomery weighs 225. It's, it's really that simple. I haven't like, taken much Montgomery, but he's he's not that gross. Like he he's he's not priced high enough to where I can really be like it's disgusting. Yeah. I feel yeah. like James Cook should with, be yeah. in between like that tier, and then when you get into like. I don't know, like Dalvin, Rashad White, DeAndre Swift. Like I'd, I'd take Cook ahead of those. Do guys. not put Dalvin in this tier. Do not capitulate. Yeah, Dalvin's to Evan. not in that tier. Get out of here. He's not even in that tier by ADP. He's in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not far. I mean, those guys are. The, the we'll, we'll, we'll get to Dalvin. We'll we'll talk about Brees and the Fallers. We'll get we'll get to the Dalvin discussion. Let, let's quickly talk <laughs> Musgrave. Um, this is Steam. I'm buying. Um, yeah, you can't get I, high. You can't get him high enough for me. I, yeah, I tweeted this out. So the route, um, sorry, the the role looks really good for Musgrave, which I think you can kind of think of as the floor for a tight end. He's run nearly all the routes, played nearly all the snaps with Green Bay starters. Even if you think that regresses a little bit once we get like full games, like it still looks like a very good role. And then he's earned five targets on 17 preseason routes. Again, very small sample, but like. Man, like I think we're seeing everything we want to see from an exciting uh, late round rookie tight end. He's a freak athlete. Um, obviously, his prospect profile is like a little mixed because he was injured. But man, like I I don't see why he goes like thirty picks after Laporta. Like I would take Laporta over him straight up, but I think that should be like a very close um, grouping there. So I'm still buying Musgrave. Uh, Leone, cu- curious what you think on on Musgrave? Yeah, I, I I'm still buying, but I think it's uh. Like James Cook is just going to keep going up. I don't, I don't yes, know how it is. How long the opportunity is going to last? I mean, Laporte is up to tight end fourteen. I bet. I bet Musgrave can get to tight end fifteen, but in like a week. Yes. Okay. Yeah. A couple questions yeah, then for for people: um, Luke Musgrave or Gerald Everett? Musgrave. Pretend, pretend ADP doesn't exist. Just I don't know. I think I'd probably take Gerald Everett, but. I mean, the, off, the offense. I mean, the, the offense. The discrepancy in offenses is enough for me at a at a the tight end position. Everett uh, will be Everett will be way more efficient, but Musgrave has like he's number five in the pecking order in Chargers targets. Probably Musgrave might be number two in in. Pecking yeah, order I guess I just targets. like I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm too um, bearish on just like still like how many 
targets at rookie tight ends going to get, even though like it looks really good. It looks like he has the job. But I just don't know if that translates to just because there's if, if you got if if you got Kyle Pitts's rookie season, which obviously I know is like an insane wish casting. Like the best this is rookie kind of, season of a tight end ever. Yeah, that'd be right. Crazy. So this is like this is like ninetieth. This is like ninetieth percentile. Ninetieth. Ninetieth. It wasn't the best. Ninetieth percentile. Yeah, you should keep drafting Luke Musgrave. Gronk scored like eleven touchdowns. Yeah, Pitts did have one touchdown this rookie year. It wasn't from a fantasy perspective. It wasn't. I guess I was just thinking like the volume of the yards. A thousand yards is a rookie. Okay, the yards. Yeah, yeah, but not total points. I think it's not. With with tight ends, it's always going to be more about the touchdowns, anyways. I don't know. I like. like Wait, so Gerald Everett's going to score more touchdowns? (laughs) Here's here's my rookie tight end rant. Like quickly, I I do think like you talk about Musgrave's target earning Leone. I agree with that. Like. I'm a little bit skeptical of rookie tight ends, but I think historically the problem with rookie tight ends has not been like per route efficiency in terms of earning targets. It's been that they're always blocked. They're always blocked by like an Austin Hooper type, like Chiga Conklo was last year. Greg Dulcich was last year. Like those guys earned targets at a really high rate last year. They're just barely on the field because some veteran is blocking them. So I'm actually like, I think I, you know, I'm a little bit fading this narrative that rookie tight ends can't, do it i really think it's it that has to do with some competent blocking veteran like blocking them from seeing the field more than them not being able to catch some passes so that's my yeah. thought and why i'm sort of more bullish i also think types. we also take if, the if, you, if you're gonna make this bet on a guy and you're like how many targets can you really have are they gonna really even pass that much and all that it is nice that he's a downfield threat like that's he, that's the role they're gonna have him in as a seam stretcher so it is he's not i don't think gonna do what kyle pitts did but it's somewhat similar where like they'll probably split him out wide like they'll they'll like use him downfield a fair amount um got someone was telling me they they were using him on an end around um yeah he's got this some is of those Le- this is liam. That he an end around that this he is, lost three yards this is on. liam <laughs> because liam uh kyle and it i was wanted liam, to take yeah. we wanted yeah. to take hunter henry instead of luke musgrave in our main event and liam has like not let us live it down that that is what it was. He was. I was talking to Liam, and he was like, "Hunter Henry's never run an end around in his goddamn life." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yes, uh, Luke, Luke Musgrave. But the other thing I like about him, you know, if I didn't have any correlation tiebreakers, I'd probably go Musgrave over Everett, just because like I don't think Romeo Dobbs is that good. Jaden yep. Reed's kind but of a whatever this, prospect. This is the total bull case: is that he could right. see 109 targets as the second pass catcher on the Packers. Yeah, it's not just the tight end competition, which has broken heavily in his favor. Like Tucker Craft now looks like the tight end three behind the Guara, right? So the Guara, Tyler Davis, who played Tyler Davis, who played snaps from last year, tore his ACL. So that was actually sneaky, I think, kind of big for for Musgrave. I feel like um, a lot of times I I get heat with projections of like just giving guys volume because it's there. And I kind of feel like I'm on the opposite end of this argument where like, I have no dispute that like the target opportunities there in Green Bay, but like I think we're getting a little optimistic and well, we're we're op- we are absolutely getting optimistic because he has the buzz, so that's what your brain wants to project. It's like sure, if everything goes his way, he could see 110 targets. He could also see he could play all these snaps and see 60, in which case all of our excitement was worth nothing. All right, yeah. Leone, a couple. I'm trying to get see where Leone is at on this. Would you take him over Irv Smith? Yes. Okay. Dulcich? I don't know. That feels about... I mean, I think he'll get to that. 
okay. range. I don't think he, I don't think like he's, I would take Everett over him, but I don't think it's like absolutely insane. Fair enough. Yeah, I do like, the, the, I'm not trying to be anti Gerald Everett. I think he's, he's a pretty good bet where he goes to. Last thing on Musgrave, um, I was reading about Dane Brugler's uh, prospect profile on the beast and Musgrave's background, like prior to football was in like uh, ski racing. And he talked about how like some of his like moves kind of look like, you know, doing slalom on the ski course. And when I read that, I was, I was all the way in after that. So <laughs> pretty, pretty insane I'm in. background. I'm in. How have yeah. we not gotten that nugget till now? That's amazing. Yeah. That he was like really good. a total Pacific Northwest bro. He was like a lacrosse player, a skier, like I'm, I'm all in on this Musgrave wow. thing. Um, let's, let's do the Brees Dalvin thing. I think everyone wants to hear about that. Brees is down 10 spots. Um, pretty big drop. Uh, just, yeah, curious, starting with you, Leone. Let's start on the Brees side of this discussion, then maybe we can get to Dalvin. Pick 44, that means Brees is kind of in the same range as running backs like Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, actually slightly after those guys, um, and then with wide receivers like Terry McLaurin, uh, Mike Williams, DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London. What is your stance on Brees in that range? Um. I think that's about fairly valued in that range, but anytime he slips further than that, I'm pretty excited to get him and the variance on him has been pretty high. Like on DraftKings, you can get him in round five a lot, which to me is just like absolute auto pick. I think in general, these running backs that fall, I'm not as much on Ramondre, but like Jacobs when he was falling, like just if you're drafting these best ball tournaments, you can build these insane teams if you take these running back risks. And it's not like super high stakes that like, I've just been trying to the last week or two, like build around guys like Brees and those other running backs that are falling because people are scared. Yep. Davis, Leone, Pat, any, any thoughts on Well, Leone knows the secret, which is that our, our entries are going to lose anyway. So you might as well try and build things that can really bink for you when it goes right. Like, like, I mean, I feel like this is a little bit under discussed in, in fantasy Twitter. Brees literally at practice before Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has a, a shoulder injury. And is having uh, his child was born, and he has a, a le legit potential domestic violence suspension. Now it's probably not going to convey based on what I've read. And was horrific in every advanced metric last year. Other and had that, his worst like had his great. worst advanced metric. So like, really, what it comes down to taking Dalvin and and letting Brees fall ten spots in ADP right now. It's literally just we're giving Aaron Rodgers the power. We're saying, we're saying Aaron Rodgers just commands it to be so, and therefore it will be so. But I mean, I don't know. Like Rodgers is not dumb. He's going to see these guys. In yes, practice. he is. Okay. Well, yeah, he is. I mean, this is the same guy who <laughs> completed a hunt. This is the same guy he who completed 101 yards to Jeff Janice on one drive and then ran him out because he like brought him the wrong type of coffee one day or something. So maybe he is, maybe he is. Yeah, but Rodgers is also like 40 years old and he's trying to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe he's dumb, but I don't think he's like a stone cold moron, like where he can't see what's in front of him, like for eight, nine weeks at a time. Like eventually, if Brees is back to 100%, he's going to run circles around Dalvin. I will say, like, I have been surprised that ETN is still so cheap. Like, I so hard agree. I, I've been, you know, as I've been looking at what, how I play this as someone who is very high on Brees before the Dalvin Cook signing, and I have a ton of them, 
I would love to be taking Brees still because now I get this discount and I don't mind having a really big position on this uber talented young running back in the middle rounds. But I'm like, you know, it's kind of nice that I can actually sit here in the middle of the fourth and take ETN. And if I'm going to try to play for for fifth round Brees ever, like that's the way I can do it. I've been like legitimately shocked that ETN, who has no issues with injury is going to be healthy for the very beginning of the season. You don't have to worry about, Oh, is he going to be a low advance rate player? Like if he hits, he's, he's going to be a high advance rate player. I don't really understand why he's is available. It, is it just the, is it just the Bigsby stuff? I mean, is that, is it really I think that so? Simple? Yeah. Is it just that? Yeah. But like, to me, like Mixon, you know, Harris, um, those guys over Brees, like to me, it's get out of here. I have no interest in that, but yeah. ETN, yeah. I think, as much as I like Brees, I mean, it's hard at this point to say ETN should go behind Brees Hall. So, I've had that same thought I don't with really get e- that. Yeah, I've had the same thought Pat, with ETN and Ramondre. I'm like, I, I guess like Ramondre, the pass catching upside, you can you can sell me on that being a lot higher. I guess same with Brees, right? Like those guys have higher pass catching ceilings than ETN. But man, I, I'm just kind of like leaning into the safety a little bit, and I'm ETN over both those guys right now. I have I ETN we- over both those guys too. Yeah, like I just think the upside with ETN is hot. Like, I don't know the Tank Bigsby stuff. I'm like, sure he's gonna play a little bit, but again, I, I did this rant last week, so I don't want to do it again. But every running back has a backup that's gonna play a little bit. Like, we don't need to freak out about Tank Bigsby. Also, that that one goal, that one short yardage carry, people forget in that game that they had like a first and goal from the three, and ETN was on the field. He didn't get the carry, but he was on the field in that situation. Bigsby got like a third and one like on the 40 yard line or something. And people are saying, Oh, short yardage roll. It's big speeds. It's over. It's like, I don't know about that. So um, yeah, Leone, what, what are your thoughts on that debate of those, those three backs like Ramondre? No, I, I'd have ETN first, probably. Um, I mean, I think the pass catching is a little bit of a concern that they just might not throw to running backs and they also yeah. want to use hasty a little bit, but ultimately, you know, it's just a really explosive player that, I think sometimes when guys don't hit their ceilings in a year, we get like more disappointed than we should. Like, I don't think, sure. you know, like the main takeaway from a lot of people from his first year is, oh, he did catch, pa- catch passes and we thought he would. But like the offense is going to be really good. He's an explosive player. He's a young player. I, I don't think you really have to overthink it too much. Like guys are going to miss. So like, is there some risk? Yeah, but I, I'd probably take him ahead of Brees and, I'm I'm kind of bearish on Ramondre, so definitely over Ramondre. Can we talk about that? Because I've been weirdly bearish on Ramondre, but in a way where I'm mad at everyone about it because I don't want to be bearish on Ramondre, and I thought I wouldn't be. Like I have him at the, um, I'm at 37 in my ranks, but that's below yeah. ADP, and it's like, what the, what are we doing? They did sign someone who's gonna potentially take goal line work. Like that has to factor in some, right? Yeah, I mean the new price is like decent. Like we were just kind of factoring from the beginning that they were going to sign someone. Um, shout out Pat Thorman; he was like really on top of that. So we have we've had Ramondre basically where he's being drafted now all off season, except for very early. But I'm concerned with a couple of things. One, I think he has some dead zone characteristics. Like people don't want to say that because he's a young back that they like, but it's a team that has a tough schedule that could be a really shitty offense, like which is bad. And it's a player that even though he should pass caught a ton last year, wasn't super efficient. I saw the the Jacob tweet and like, I'm not trying to hold it against him because it's good that he got those targets, but yeah, then you bring in Zeke who 
like he can take goal line touches and pass block. Those are high value touches. Yep. So not, yep. not if you're going to lose some high value touches and you're going to play on an offense, that's not good. It could go bad. It could that yep. like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I have much stronger preferences for other players. Like I'd rather take Jameer Gibbs for sure. I think. Yeah, Stevenson's has also never been hyper efficient. Like he's been good. I like right. Stevenson. He's, he's a good dependent. player. It's not what? He's volume dependent. I mean, he's volume dependent. Yeah. Like yeah. most running backs. Most running backs are volume dependent, but he's I don't think he like there's certain guys who I think kind of rise above that where I'm like like Jonathan Taylor, right? Like yeah. obviously you have issues there with whether or not he plays, but like I'm willing to like overlook some of the volume red flags with Jonathan Taylor because it's like it's Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I don't yeah. feel that way about Ramondre Stevenson. I think that's very fair. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with Pat. And like Brees and Etienne, you do feel a little bit that way, right? Like, I do. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are crazy explosive. I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably, yeah, I definitely have Etienne over Ramondre. I think with Brees it would be close. And just the fact that Brees is like falling in some drafts, I'd probably still go Ramondre. I, I don't know. Again, like I, I have plenty of Brees. I think like Dalvin signing was a worst case scenario. I know people are saying, oh, it, it doesn't impact Brees' ceiling that that Dalvin signed there. I, I sort of see where people are going with that argument, but like I think it inherently impacts the ceiling that Dalvin yeah. signed there. Just, just because there's plenty of times in NFL history where the worst backup running back just sees the field a lot because the coaches want him to, the quarterback wants him to like Thomas Jones versus Jamal Charles in Kansas city. Yeah. You know, Zeke versus Pollard last year. Like I don't think we can say Brees doesn't impact like cook ceiling. Even if cook like is not good and Brees is way better, he could be on the field a bunch and that impacts Brees's ceiling. Yeah. It's so. like one of these things where I don't like, there's two things. It's what is his ceiling outcome and is that now fundamentally changed by the signing signing Delvin Cook? To to that, I say no. I don't think it's fundamentally changed. I think he can still get to a similar ceiling outcome. How likely is that outcome to occur? Yes, yes. I think yeah. he's now low. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. I I think we all fully agree. And I mean, I don't think Delvin's the worst pick at its current ADP right now. Like I think he's okay right there. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely not taking Delvin now. Um, no interest. He did still have some pretty explosive runs last year. I mean, I guess I'm most concerned that the shoulder is still an issue because and I, I saw some research and stuff on him that like one of his biggest issues last year was like with contact because of the shoulder injury, right. but like the explosive speed was still there. So his success rate was horrendous and in a couple of true media and NFL next gen both had him. All the Twitter doctors, right. when he had the right. surgery the first time, said this is going to be an issue for the rest of his career. This isn't really something that ever goes away for a dude who gets tackled for a living. So that's fair. I think if you think that, and, and I think it's a reasonable take, then you don't want him. But I think if you're just like, oh, he's dust, like I'm not drafting him, that, that that's kind of the wrong opinion. Yeah, I, look, I mean, he's a, he's a little mispriced for me. If I if I knew he had this role and he would have retained, like if it was like him or Khalil Herbert, I don't know. Maybe I would have taken. I don't. I probably still wouldn't have just because I'm stubborn. Honestly, I still want Herbert, man. I want Herbert over Dalvin Cook. Herbert could be good. Like he's the he could just if Herbert is good, he could be the Bears' starting running back all year. Like it. Yeah. That's pretty simple. He's good. He's a starting run. If Dalvin's good, then first of all, I think there's a higher chance that. Herbert's good than Dalvin, but even if Cook is good, 
he's still going to have to deal with Brees Hall, who's going to be 100% by roughly week five. And by the end of the year, he will be 100% coming back from the clean ACL tear. Like he's been on track. He's practicing now. Like he's on track for that. Um, that's a problem. That's a problem for Dalvin Cook's late season upside. So I, guess I-, I don't know. He can, he serves a purpose. Like he definitely, he's kind of like an expensive version of Jamal Williams, um, Samaji Pirine. I think he, you know, and you could say he's a better pick than those guys because he'll probably have a longer stretch of usefulness. But to me, he's like in that archetype where if I really need the running back help early, he's like a worse version of David Montgomery kind of thing. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Gonna... I think that's fair. But I think like the high value touches for the Jets are going to be better than for the Bears at the running back position overall. So it's not like a one to one. That's where you have to worry like... about that contact stuff, right? Like if he's, if he sucks at contact. He, Dude, you know, yeah. If you think the maybe, shoulder but... injury, them, like they're, that's it you're out yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but i'm just saying like if, if you're like more unsure on that and think right. it's possible that there's not an injury the high value touches for the jets are going to be better both receptions and yeah i mean rogers has made how many dudes and, has rogers made like total fantasy he, football studs he's so right. good at that the other thing too is I mean, contingent value does work both ways. Like we always look at it from the lens of the player we like more, but like Brees is coming back from an ACL injury or he could just randomly get hurt having nothing to do with that. And Dalvin Cook is like, like that he could suck and be amazing in, in that case. Yeah. 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 And I think we can feel really good that uh, Dalvin completely ices the likes of Carter and Zonovan Knight. Like the Jets are not yes. high on these guys at all. Like, and yeah, and yeah the, the last thing I'll say on Dalvin and then we can move on. Like we were drafting AJ Dillon in like the sixth last year on basically the same thesis. Like he had a way more talented running back ahead of him in Aaron Jones. Well, that wasn't but, really the thesis. Okay, People is, were is Dillon about AJ Dillon's talent? Yeah, but is AJ Dillon good? Yes. If you asked someone uh, drafting him in 2022, they would have been like, "Yeah, dude, he's yeah, really they would good." Be like you see, you see those quads, brother. <laughs> I, I'm on team Dalvin. Dalvin Cook is better than AJ Dillon, but but whatever. Even if oh, even if you completely disagree with that, um, it's like kind of the AJ Dillon bet, but three rounds later, right? Like that seems fine. Yeah, but that I think it's fine. Where I, again, if you think the shoulder is a permanent problem, you're out. But if you don't think the shoulder is a permanent problem, like it's hard for me to see where he's not like a pretty reasonable pick. Yeah, you know he was not. still like. You know, just outside the top 10 in fantasy points per game last year, like, he's not dead. You know, I mean, he's not terrible. He's not. I still probably won't take him because I'm stubborn, but, like, you have outlined a very reasonable and rational argument for why he still can be a good pick where he's going. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he can serve a purpose for your team. Like, if you were, like, thinking about drafting James Conner because you need early running back points, like, maybe – take someone else and go get cook in the next round or whatever. Like, I think, you know, he can, he can yeah. set a purpose. I have him on one Mastiff and I think I'm good, but you know, I got, yeah, I've got him in some high stakes, like crazy to low, like one twenties, one tens. I got him. And I'm just like, summer. yeah, that seems great. Um, Let's sit on Miles Sanders here. He is falling off the groin issue. He, even this new ADP 71, I think that understates where he's like actually going in drafts now. Maybe it's a small sample from what I'm doing, but I'm seeing yeah, him like him in the late 80s, 70s. like late yeah. 70s, like every draft I'm in now. Man, I was not, and Pat, we had this argument in our in our chat um, yesterday. I was, I think both of us were out on Sanders. You were even more out on him than, than I was, but man, like 
pick 80, I think the math starts to look pretty like irrefutable on Sanders being a good pick there. I guess we'll start with you, Leone. I know you guys like just projections wise in your rankings would be quite high on Sanders at pick 71. Are, are you actually drafting him? Or are, you, are you following the ETR ranks there? Or how are you, how are you dealing with this? I'm probably drafting him a little bit later, but I'm definitely not out on him. Like you guys know me, I'm a, I'm a value drafter in general. And I think he's not like that. You know, I think he's in that David Montgomery range right now. Um, he just and- got a low key. He just got a low key boost too, because Chuba Hubbard has played every running back snap with Bryce young in yeah. the preseason. And Chuba Hubbard's ankle got rolled over on. And I was doing a little bit of digging because Hubbard is one of my biggest positions. I've just been hoovering him up. So he had an ankle injury in 2020 that caused him to miss a bunch of time. And he also suffered an ankle injury to the same ankle last year. There hasn't been an update yet. I'm going to guess we'll get one probably this afternoon from Panthers training camp. But if it would, like I thought it was projecting like Sanders was going to be in a split with Hubbard based on the stuff that I was reading from Panthers training camp. And if Hubbard is going to be dinged up, not ready for week one or, or, you know, comes back too early and he's just suffering from this ankle thing. Like it's, I think they've really broadcasted Blackshear Sanders or uh, Blackshear Spencer Brown. None of these guys are not a part of their plans at all. So if Hubbard's ankle is a problem, what would have maybe been a 60 40 with Hubbard and losing a lot of the long down and distance stuff is actually going to go Sanders' way. Now, you can tell I've really been thinking about this a lot because I went back and looked more at Miles Sanders stuff as a result. Such an interesting profile. The Eagles clearly drafted him with the idea that he was going to be a good long down and distance guy. He saw 65 targets as a rookie. He was so bad. He was so inefficient and got more inefficient. He was inefficient. Year one, he was not. Year year one, he was good. Year Year one, one, he was good as a receiver. Actually, if you guys go to Chris Towers' profile, he tweets about this like once a year because it's so startling. There's this play where Sanders messes up his route gets the target anyways and drops it. And then basically ever since this play, the Eagles stopped throwing him the ball to the point that I think, I think it was 25 targets for 78 yards was his line as a receiver last year. So I don't think the Panthers signed him to, to be this long down and distance guy. I, I still like playing it the Hubbard route, especially because normally when you see the starting running back fall, you'll see a corresponding jump in the handcuffs ADP but there has not been a corresponding jump for Hubbard. I, I don't really know why that is, but I still prefer to play it that way. Because he's also way. hurt, right? He, yeah, I, I, yeah I just mentioned that he's got this ankle injury. Now, we'll My, see what happens with this ankle. If it ends up being nothing, I still like it playing that way. If not, I will be um, bag defending. So I saw, I saw Frank Reich give a press conference little quote on this thing, and he was like, they were like, what's the deal, basically? And he was like, listen, like these guys are going to be fine. Like we talked to the talk to the medical staff about their path to being able to play week one. And, uh, you know, even if they're not fine, we'll be fine. (laughs) What the fuck does that mean, man? Like that is the literal fucking king of press conferences. (laughs) I mean, every week this guy has something from the press. He's so good at it. Yeah. Well, you know what it makes me worry about is could they be a team that signs Kareem Hunt? Right. Or or, or something like that. Because they they literally might not have a starting running back. They don't like Spencer Brown or Blackshear at all. These guys have been like total mop-up duty second half of the second preseason game. Like they do not care about these two guys at all. Yeah. 
So I would yeah, love I, a Hubbard ankle up, update. That would make me feel a lot better. The Sanders thing for me, like where he's slipping now, like we have him projected, I think, for like 37 targets on the year. But like, I think he could catch 50 balls, you know. He could, and that, he could. And that's, and that's like, yeah. we're not projecting anywhere near that. And we still kind of have him as okay. And like, we've cratered his ceiling odds. We've cratered his ceiling efficiency. Like we've done all these things. And I guess it just comes back to a base assumption as if you think he's the starting running back when healthy or not. Like if you think he's kind of the, the started, you think if it's like a two to one ratio with him versus Hubbard, then like he's a pretty good pick at where he's falling now, especially when he falls after the new ADP. Um, I think yeah. there's a little bit more upside than people think where it just, you know, he, ha it's, it's hard to parse. Like you said, Davis, the Philly stuff, like they did not throw to running backs much and in, in base last year. Right. But like, but they were the more, is probably going to throw to running back in base. The more damning thing lot. was that they specifically just drafted Kenneth Gainwell to like remove that work sure. from him entirely. I guess, but the, as we saw with Ramondre last year, just getting a bunch of bullshit in base. Yes, up, totally. Yes, you know? it does. And like, it does. We, we saw, you know, with Joe Mixon to an extent last year too, you know, obviously much better offense. So it's like not a one-to-one, -one, but like he was able to get a 10% target share just in base, you know, because of checkdowns and stuff. And I think that outcome for Sanders is being a little bit under um, appreciated. The issue for me with Sanders as he goes down into this range is that like, okay, you're, you're making kind of a status quo bet with Sanders. Like they, this is the guy they brought in. This is the guy they've kind of dubbed the starter. And you're, you're sort of being like, you know, he's, he's going to get the first crack for as long as he's, you know, not terrible, but he enters the season injured. We don't have like a ton of confidence that he's playing week one. Uh, which that alone, I mean, if he's missing time early in the season, potentially that needs to be factored into the ADP. But then, like, I don't really feel confident that he is better than Hubbard. Like, I think they're pretty similar as far as their talent goes, based on what Hubbard did. Hubbard was very efficient last year. Like, he was he he and, and he Deontay was a Foreman were very similar, amazing college player. Hubbard was yeah. Like, so I, I we're counting that. Yeah, last and Sanders time, was a backup was so in college. Yeah. I got some yeah. got some breaking breaking news. Uh, Sanders is in practice in pads today. Wow, okay. All right. well, that, breaking that... news. All right. Well, also, that, Hubbard had twice the amount of carries his rookie year as he did last year and was at 3.6 yards per carry. So, like, I don't think Hubbard is going to get too recency I, biased on, like, oh, he's a good player. I do not he... think Hubbard I mean, is like a really good NFL player either. Like, he was yeah, all the Sanders. Very good set, I mean, yeah, I, I would say, like, I think he's the best in the league last year. Like, I mean, I don't know who the fuck's better between the two of them. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't know. And if I had, well, I, better, care, I care Sanders. if Sanders isn't. I mean, the pra the practicing in pads thing kind of blows up my argument. But if Sanders doesn't get the first crack of the job, then it definitely matters who's better. Yeah. Sure, he, he is. He is going to get the first crack. Of the job, where like, though. basically, what I'm saying is like, if you, the base assumption is he's a starter, it's hard for him to be a bad pick. If you think that assumption's wrong we're on a different plane and like, I can see where you wouldn't like him, but like, if you're under that base assumption, there's not really much evidence to support that. Like I am once again, under that base assumption right. now that he's practicing, but like if yeah. he was potentially missing week one, then like he by definition would not get the first crack at the jump. So yeah, that, that that's fair. Oh. I, I, I think with him practicing now is actually like pretty huge, huge. News. I do too. Like, I think this is your buying window. Like him, I, him practicing with Hubbard banged up is a nice, window for sure 
Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like Hubbard's hurt too. It's not like it's just Sanders that's banged up. Yeah, yeah. No, and I we haven't said him. We haven't said his name yet, but uh, Lavisca Chanel, uh, running back one season. Um, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, I wanted to call out a couple players that aren't on risers or fallers, but I think had some pretty interesting preseason usage usage stuff to discuss. The first one is Javante Williams. We've mentioned him a couple of times. I think just awesome news. Like I know he was in a timeshare with P Ryan. I, I don't care about that right now. Just awesome news that he can play in a preseason game off this yeah. multi-ligament ACL tear. Like that's that's awesome to me. I think this price is pretty fair now. I know he's risen quite a bit from he was going in the hundreds in, in May, maybe you know, 110-ish. Um, I, I'm fine with this pick. I don't think it's like a smash. I still am somewhat concerned about the injury, but it seems about right to me. Um, yeah. Anybody have thoughts on Javante's ADP at 75? I, I kind of think he's a guy you buy almost all the way up because a lot of these things, like one, I think the cool thing about Javante is that he's kind of always earned early down targets. So even if he is in this sort of timeshare with Pirine, where Pirine's handling the long down and distance, I still think Javante will earn a good bit of time. Actually, weirdly enough, in a very similar way to Alvin Kamara with the Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton, where Kamara would actually get replaced on long down and distance by like uh, just a, a panoply of, of dusty running backs through the New Orleans Saints. I mean, he was losing third downs to Mark Ingram, like all these different guys, and it never really mattered because he earned targets on early downs. But also, if we're just looking in the pocket of drafts where he's going, I think there are so few guys you can tell yourself a story about like, oh, this is the guy you need, right? Like, so we're looking at, I like these guys. I like James Cook and I like David Montgomery, but I think Javante's odds, uh, and especially compared to Miles Sanders and Cam Akers, I think his upside is way better. Like way, way. I mean, he could, I think there are seasons where Javante catches like 70 passes. And I don't think that about really anyone else who goes around him. Yeah. I like Javante a good bit. We were way behind on him early. We thought, the injury risk was understated and it's gone the exact opposite way where he's come back even earlier than expected, which I'm surprised by, but given that information, yeah, I think he's a pretty strong pick at where he is. I'm probably not quite as bullish as Davis. Cause I still think like you've got a coaching staff change. You've got an offense that we're still a little bit unsure about. Um, and, and the injury risk, I wouldn't say is gone. It's like really positive news, but like we had positive news on guys last year and then they, just couldn't quite do it and they had setbacks and stuff but yeah it, godwin it godwin like is the guy i'm play. thinking of who came back from the acl and immediately injured his hamstring yeah i mean dobbins too had dobbins too yeah this you know which was his injury was most comparable yeah. to javante's um and i think that's the because it is still that multi-ligament tear that more serious knee injury that the the interview that levitan did with stefania bell i thought was really interesting or like there is just like a it's your knee like it's not like you can just be awesome and like power through like your knee recovery like you yeah. at some point are gonna butt up against like just the structural issues with with the knee itself if you're putting too much on it so like i kind of hope that they do use p ryan but i'm actually still drafting p ryan because my hope is that they bring back javante somewhat slowly and then he crushes down the stretch but i still get I can use Piran early in the season. So I'm drafting Piran, but also to the, your Dalvin Cook point. I mean, I think Piran still has contingent value in that way. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to be a little bit more, I'll probably be like at ADP or a little bit behind on Javante the rest of the way. Uh, 
he's not someone I want to be like leading the charge on. Yeah. And the la this uh, one like strategy tip on Javante, and I know it always isn't this clean in your drafts, but I would recommend trying to get exposure in the, the, the snapshot tournaments rather than BBM because, mm -hmm. again, I don't think it's like egregious to take him in BBM. He's only risen like three rounds, but you are competing with a ton of teams that have gotten him at a pick 100. So if you can make that distinction in your drafts, I would recommend um, being a little bit selective in, in where you're taking uh, Javante Williams. Um, let's talk your Chig Aconquo. This one I think is like going a little bit under the radar because he's actually fallen in ADP, which is wild to me. Um, I guess a little background on like Chig's ADP. He was kind of in the 120, 130-ish range for a lot of the offseason. He's just kind of like slowly drifted down. I think, you know, obviously the the DeAndre Hopkins signing had something to do with that. I think people pointing out that he played sort of a limited bit role last year has something to do with that. But man, his his usage in the preseason so far has been really good. He's playing in 11 personnel. That's like absolutely critical for, for tight ends and both in terms of floor and ceiling to play in 11 personnel. Um, he's out there doing that. So I, I, I guess like you can say he was maybe overpriced before we knew that. And like, I, I don't know, you can make the argument multiple ways. I really like Chig at, at 153. I, I would be chasing him up a couple rounds just based off what he did last year. Curious Leone, how how does the math shake out here with with the Titans tight end? Even if you sort of bump out his role, do you think he has enough upside uh, at this cost? Yeah, I feel like you described it well. Like we were maybe a little too aggressive before we knew he'd be playing more, but now that we've seen at least the potential that he's playing in eleven personnel, that's really strong sign. And I mean, you guys talked about with Musgrave like available targets. You know, with Oconquo, we have more. I guess, proof that he's good at the NFL level and we have all the available targets too. Like even if they have Hopkins and a healthy Traylon Burks, like there's just nothing else. So I like a Conquo quite a bit. And I'd also like at the new, at the tag he's at right now too, is like, it doesn't preclude like a, a late round tight end strategy. Like it's not like he's going where you have to take two tight ends. Like you can take three tight ends with yeah, you know, can take, a Conquo you can take really Jig. easily. Uh, you can take Chig, Musgrave, and then Jake Ferguson, and you're like, uh, yeah, you're feeling so that's, good. That's beautiful, Pat. You're on yeah, mute. So I'm, I'm you can take three tight ends, and he doesn't even have to be the the first one. The first <laughs> he could be one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've come around on Chig uh, pretty significantly. I'm I'm pretty high ahead of ADP now on him. Um, I was just shocked when I did my write up on the, the tight ends that how much he had played on play action which I, I kind of thought he was going to be this like rotational receiver type, but cause he's, he's like short, right. He's, he's like kind of more of like the move tight ends in my mind, but he's like, I think he can play the traditional tight end and 11 and stuff. And to your point about them not having anyone, Leone, like I think they know that, like, I think they're well aware they don't have anyone else. Kyle um, Phillips got hurt in their preseason game too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of directly impacts Jake cause like, they'd probably be earning targets in the same part of the field. Um, but like, they're going to run plays for him too. Like they did at the end of last year. Like even if he does, like stuff. they manufacture stuff for him. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And they don't throw to the running back that much. Like when they, Derrick Henry got what, like 35 catches last year or something. When we were like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, Hey, yeah. we, got, we don't need, we don't need to slander 
Derrick Henry on this program. No, I'm just right? saying. Do, like, do you know? Do you know who he plays in Week 17, brother? Dude, that was not <laughs> slander. That was like an objective truth. We were pumped. He got 35 catches. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's there's uh, there's not competition. It's not like McCaffrey's here soaking up targets out of the backfield or something. So yeah. Last thing I'll say on Chig, and I, I think I kind of want to be more on this last year's like tracking where like the gross blocking tight ends are moving around the league. Jeff Swaim, like no one wants to talk about Jeff Swaim on a fantasy show or Austin Hooper, but both those guys leaving is like absolutely massive for Chig's so role bullish. because yeah. they were replaced with like absolute nobodies. Like Josh Weil was like a fifth yeah. round pick the Titans took. Trayvon Wesco is basically like a fullback. I think he played on the Bears last year. He's he, he he's a in there. And a jet. Yeah, like the, these guys, even though like Swaim and Hooper like are bad and no one wants to talk about them, they're so much better than these other guys that replaced them with that it's just huge for Chig's role to have those backup tight ends like switching out. So I was kind of late on on like paying attention to this, but I think the the bear case for Chig wasn't thinking about like who the hell are they going to play over him if he's not playing 11 personnel. Like there's nobody who's like a proven NFL blocker. Well, you know, I well, would yeah. I would give you one cautionary tale on that because um Andrew Beck was playing over Albert O last year. <laughs> Um, Eric Tomlinson, like I, I dude, would, the Albert. Oh, they were making I, up I, Eric's, yeah. They're making up guys who look like Dulcich. There was like a bunch of dudes with long I've hair lived, that weren't Dulcich running I just, around. I remember this, yes. Yeah. Eric and yeah. Beck, Beck and Saubert had long hair, I think, but I just I've lived the wanting to make the young tight end happen thing and then being like, look at all these jabronis on the depth chart. And then cut to week one, and the jabronis yeah. are are playing sixty well, percent of the snaps. The the irony is, after week one, it was like wheels up for Albert O. It was like, he, he had he had five targets, and we were like, oh, it's it's over. Like Albert O. Albert O. Season <laughs> is here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. Goodness. Anyways, I still think I'm in on Jake. I chased him up a couple rounds. Let's move on to Michael Wilson. Um, he is up justifiably. I think he's just kind of a clear starter. And usually when rookies are clear starters in the beginning of the year, they don't lose that role. Maybe we can think of some examples of guys that were bad enough that they lost the role, but it's it's kind of hard for a rebuilding team. It's kind of hard to imagine them going away from Michael Wilson once he has that role. Um, anyways, I, I would take, I think Michael Wilson, like I don't love his talent, don't love his prospect profile, but He's running routes. He's in the 18th round. Is there anything else to say on my? I've had to. I've had to consciously stop. Like I've. I've tried to. People have tried to tell me things about Michael Wilson's college career and like his production, and I've had to just be like, I don't want to know. Do not tell me because the 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 situation that he's in right now is like I think one. It's bullish because he is just clearly ahead of uh, of Ron Dale and uh, and Greg Dorch. Like he just clearly is a starting. He's played every snap with the starting offense uh, in, in their two preseason games. And he's got that, um, and you can tell yourself this with every Cardinals player, but he's got the upside that Kyler comes back in week eight and their offense like resembles something. Like you might just have gotten a massive discount on a guy who could see 50 targets from Kyler Murray or something in the back half of, of the season. Yeah, I, I don't think about... about- I don't, I don't know much about Wilson's profile or anything, but I kind of just blindly think that any rookie wide receiver who's earned his way into starting, you should be taking in round 18. And, and he was 16, maybe like, yeah, I take him in round 16. 
I don't have nearly well, enough. I should have more. I think like a lot of the ETR guys aren't on them, but I think just maybe that's like too micro thinking and it's just like a macro yeah. like you got to remove your prospect biases when like lit literally like look at pick 200 like how many guys project for more routes than michael wilson it's like maybe mac hollins you can tell me projects more routes like maybe robert woods projects more routes but besides that like i don't care he could suck and whatever pick 200 like i, I just all right I don't, I don't get the micro analysis of his profile at pick 200 well we also don't the micro analysis of his profile i think is like it's not it's not that bad of a profile like it's not like there's no reasons to think it reminds me of weirdly almost of like damian pierce like damian pierce was he he flashed that's, a little that's bit that's such a good point actually yeah right he didn't get used a ton he didn't do enough to where we were like you know we should be really excited about this guy, but the team spends a little bit of draft capital on him and signals the entire offseason that they're going to be utilizing him right away. And also the team's terrible and should be utilizing their rookies right away to see what they have. So as he moves up, I don't think we should be like shouting like, he never broke out. He's a fifth-year player. Like they're <laughs> planning on playing him and he's athletic and he's going to run a ton of routes. So I don't know. The other thing is I would note that you know, he only played six games in 2022. He had a 30% dominator rating, though. He had a 26% dominator rating as a as a sophomore, 29% uh, only in four games as a junior. He was a fifth-year player. He's definitely, like, not a good prospect, but he's a third-round pick who flashed a little bit, is athletic, and is now a starting wide receiver, and has dominated the summer as far as, like, team reports go. Why and would you not like a take a chance on that? He was like uh, actually very similar to Rashi Rice. He was like one of these guys who got drafted because he fit. I, Mingo actually is like a good comp of like not that good of a prospect, but got overdrafted because every wide receiver in this class weighed 170 pounds. Like it was a situation where like the Cardinals were like, we very specifically want a guy who can do this one thing. And they got this guy in the building who can do the one thing. He shows up to training camp. The thing they think he can do, he can do starting job i mean this is it's 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 really as simple it's um really and and now i like i i was so very famously i was a, a dorch bro and i had very little and i am up to 15 percent michael wilson like i'm I just, up, i just am hammering him i i'm at 10 and a half percent on underdog and i feel i feel like i'm missed the boat if anything i'm at 16 percent on DraftKings, which is nice uh so you can if this is a sam you actually pointed this out on twitter a couple weeks ago the DraftKings algorithm is like pretty clearly broken when it gets yeah, to the later round is. stuff like it doesn't filter it so round 20 you can take michael wilson you can take josh downs you can take tutu atwell because these got for whatever reason maybe they're not picked in every draft kyron i don't know has what it no is ADP. kyron kyron has no adp rico dowdle who we're about to talk to talk about has no adp like um there are there are, Deontay Hardy has no ADP like there are you a know lot what I think it is who, I bet in the ten dollar drafts no one is bothering to they, they don't guys. go they don't go so yeah. so yeah. the it's like the volume of drafts is most of the ten dollars so it keeps those ADPs super low it could be to me it, it honestly looks like something's broken because sometimes like and it changes each week but sometimes like this guy, I forget his name. He was some guy Charleston, who was literally Charleston Rambo. Charleston Rambo had an ADP like quite high in in the rankings above like tons of guys who were like legit players. He's a guy from the USFL that was on IR and he had like an ADP. Like, I honestly think there's there's something wrong with Algo, but anyways, we don't need to go with that. Um, I do think we're gonna stay and talk through some of these dusty RB two situations. Leone does have to run out before 
we do that. So we'll say bye to Leone. Leone, before you go, um, give us your favorite um, closing line value pick that's on the board right now. Ooh, right now? Um, yeah. Give you, we can give you a second to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me, give me a second here. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. I could yeah. give, I can give mine. Yeah, I'm, give, I'm, give yours. So I am going to say that it's going to be Jeff Wilson with this Devin Achain shoulder injury and yeah. Gaskin and Ahmed playing with the first team offense. I think that's so clearly. To me, the way I read that, Gaskin and Ahmed playing is not that the coaching staff likes them. It's that they know exactly what they have in Jeff Wilson Jr. And Mostert has just stayed in the role that he's going to play. But Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be like it's going to be a week from now and he's going to be he's going to be a 12th round pick, right? I mean, that's just the way this goes with the chain. Because uh McDaniel said a chain is week to week with the shoulder injury, which for a guy who was playing special teams in the second quarter of his uh second preseason game, like it it seems that their plans were not to use a chain immediately. Damn, that's a good pick. That is a good pick. I'm that's a really good pick. I don't know. I'm struggling here to find like one guy. I think it's like classic. You, know, you, can, you can, can also just give hand. feel free to give I mean, I think like Johnson Johnston has got has a chance to like rise up a decent bit. Um I like that. I just don't know how, I think it's kind of capped, so it's not really the best pick for this exercise. But I think a close nine value on him could be pretty solid. Um, especially in these managed leagues, maybe not as much underdog. Yeah, I could see that. If he if he's like clearly ahead of Palmer in some preseason game, um, I definitely see him rock. Like he's I think he's slate sliding a little bit recently, but I like that one. Anyways, Leonie, thanks for joining us. Um Kincaid's really gonna it. keep rising too. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, Liam's gonna make you guys. Liam's gonna get there. I know, I know. I think Liam's gonna get there. I think I, I capitulated. I capitulated. Listen, I take Dalton Kincaid. This all I just want for the record, I yelled at Liam because he took Kincaid and Knox on the same team. Okay. My my point all along is they're I've, not gonna I've pay off together. I've I've done I've done I actually that. think that's fine because I think they're both gonna be on the field. I don't think a ton. That's the part I don't really buy. I think I think Kincaid's gotta eat Knox and then he can pay off in a big way, but I don't think that the Knox is like free though. It wasn't all right, fine. Time to pitch Time to pitch Um all right, we did want to talk through. I know we're running a little bit late here. Um, I do want to talk through these RB twos. I, I talked about early in the off season, keeping. Should track. we just give our rising picks now, to, to, so we don't forget? Oh, should, yeah. Let's do that, and then we'll talk about RB twos. Pat, yeah, you yeah. have one. I'm going to say Rashad Bateman, who's back on the field practicing now, and everyone's everyone's written his obituary. It's it's Odo Beckham, guys. Odo Beckham's the starter. Zay Flowers is the best rookie pick. You know, you got to take him in the third round. Didn't didn't you hear Jack Settleman on on the Swolecast last week saying that Odell is the guy you need? That's what I'm saying. All the slappies are out there talking to Odell. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Thank you for re, for reinforcing my point. Now, all the slappies are Odell, you got to take Odell. But um you know, Bateman's now back out there. He had the cortisone shot that everyone freaked out about, but doesn't seem like that's going to cost him any playing time in the season and not even completely remove his, his practice reps in the off season. So I think we're going to start to get, Oh yeah. Bateman's good stuff coming out here before week one. And uh, people are going to stop being so nervous about it. So give me a shot Bateman at the pick near 100. Now I think I'm getting, I think I'm scooping the bottom here or close to the bottom. We're, we're I, on the way up. When I have a Lamar team now, I, I push him to the ninth. So if I'm sitting there at like pick 84 or whatever, I push it. I wait. I wait to see if I get him or I'm uh, the next pick. I, I think that's fine. But I think that's 
you're going to start getting sniped on that. You're going to get annoyed and you're going to start prioritizing in the eighth and everyone else is going to start doing that. And that's how we get that ADP rise. I think, yeah, I think that's smart. I, I've, I've been just reaching on him in Lamar stacks because I did get sniped once trying to do that strategy. And I'm like, literally no, it makes you I'm not insane. taking it. Yeah. It makes you insane because then, because then you're like, then you have oh, to take Odell. Gonna do. Then you got to do it. You don't, you actually then, don't. No, you got to <laughs> do it. You got to do it. I am on DraftKings. Where he go? Where he? What goes even later? I took Odell. I went, took Flowers Odell to try to get the triple because if you want the triple, that's the only way you can do it. And I didn't get Bateman. And I, I, I mean, I've already mentioned this on the show like three weeks ago, but I think about that team all the time. I could it's a yeah. five five five. It could have could have Bateman instead of Odell. It's so annoying. Yeah. yeah, I I don't like making this argument because I think it's like it's so hard to predict. But like, if I was going to say like one group of players are the low advance rate, high ceiling players, I think it's Ravens wide receivers. Like, I think it's going to be really frustrating and like maybe none of them are really going to separate during the regular season, but man, just sneaking a Lamar Bateman stack into the playoffs just seems so, so fun. What if they're, what if they're, what if they're high advance rate, high win rate players? I think that's what they are. It could be both. I'm taking a, I'm taking a bunch of them. So I hope they are, but yeah. Lamar seems like, he could pretty clearly be one of the answers to the test this year. Dude, I'm reaching on Lamar so much in the third, not reaching a ton, but like once like the the couple players are gone, like I'm just, I'm just taking Lamar over like Ramondre over. Yeah. All those guys. I am too. And by the way, comment on why are we so out on Odell? I am actually on Sam's side of this where I'm so in on Lamar that I will take my, I'll eat my Odell vegetables at times i'm definitely gonna be underweight but i'm not out i have a i've got some some uh slow draft wisdom for my fellow slappies out there which is that actually people are so hyper fixated on their stacks you are actually much more likely to get the three four lamar andrews in slow drafts especially in the puppy so like i'm in a bunch of these right now and i i I think i have three Andrews Lamar teams going right now uh, like you know obviously not all of them are to the third round yet but people are just so hyper fixated on uh, they're they, they don't catch the fallers as well. like obviously if it's egregious if guys 10 spots passed or whatever but people are so hyper fixated on their stacks that you're you're more likely to get it in these slow drafts mm. I wish I had some more some more of those Lamar Andrews it's it's tough to do anyways let's uh wrap here did I? Oh, in my head, I thought I did. Did I not say one out loud yet? Um, I don't think you did, unless we really oh. weren't paying attention. Whoa, yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> wow, I already, I already had like outlined the the argument in my head that I forgot I didn't actually say it. Um, I'm gonna go with Josh Jacobs here. We got oh, kind nice. of the news today that he's yeah, back. That's it's a good kind of sketchy reporting, but I I trust it. Um, here's the weird thing on Jacobs. I I, I see it going two ways. Um, I think there's this perception that we're getting this huge Jacobs discount now since he's been holding out. That's actually not true. His ADP was like t- stubbornly like 28 through all of like May and June because I think like all the wide receiver sickos were drafting then. Maybe the market was like sharply baking an AD um, holdout risk then. I don't actually think it was. I think it was just like sickos who don't like jo- Josh Jacobs were just not clicking him. Well, so they've done okay so far. <laughs> sure, sure, they've done okay so far. So that's the weird thing, though, is that with his holdout, he's only fallen like two two picks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually making the argument to some people the other day that like 
if he reports, is the market even that excited about Josh Jacobs? Like they weren't before, but I think the market always double counts and reacts to news. So like ultimately when he reports, I think people are going to be like, you know, reminding you of Josh Jacobs stats last year, whatever mm-hmm. he's going to shoot up to the end of the second round. He'll pass Jonathan Taylor. I think if, if, especially if Taylor's like injury stuff is still like, um, you know, knocking him down. So when, that's, when that's Taylor's holdout ends, you think he goes ahead of Taylor or not? No, no, probably, probably okay. not. Um, yeah, I think that's but, right. Yeah, T- to me, like, and I don't, I don't know. I'm speculating here. Like the the Taylor like holdout stuff feels like worse than the Jacobs holdout stuff. But people have made arguments both ways. To me, the, the the Taylor thing just feels like more personal. Plus, you also have this like legitimate injury thing. That's like I don't think we can completely ignore the injury thing with with Taylor. So, anyways, um, that's my stance on Jacobs. Let's talk through these running back situations. Um, there's there's a couple things that we learned here in the preseason on these running backs. We, we don't need to spend a ton of time on each one individually. I think how I'd summarize it is that like Kyron Williams and Keontae Ingram are like very clearly the running back twos on their team, yeah. but they're on really like gross teams or just like talents we're not sure about. Whereas Rico Dowdle and Chris Evans are in much more exciting situations, but I think there's still like uncertainty as to whether they're actually the running back twos on their teams. And then Josh Kelly is like in the middle where like, we don't He's, like his I think Josh all, Kelly but... is pretty clearly yeah. the running back two. I just think it does. He might be the clear running back two right now, but I think the chances of him holding that for 17 weeks are so low because he's not very good. And this is what the chargers always do or they have done the last three years. They've had one guy they thought was going to be the running back two, And then it ended up being, Kalen Balazs or Sony Michelle or whoever, just because these guys are, are no good. Um, Dowdle, it is interesting. So he didn't start in the preseason last week. Malik Davis did. Then Dowdle started this week. I would be surprised if Dowdle holds the running back two job over Malik Davis. But uh, I think the, the weird fly in the ointment here is that Deuce Vaughn seems like a lock for the 53. So there's really only, and, and Deuce Vaughn's role is sort of separate from Pollard and separate from the handcuff. So there's only one of Dowdle or Davis can make the roster. I really thought it was going to be Malik Davis. I feel less confident in that now, especially because the athletics Cowboys writers project Dowdle to make the 53 ahead. Kyron is like such a, I have a zero running back team and I just need someone I think is going to be on the field in week one. Like you took a zero running back team with, uh, with Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara. And you're like, I just might not have two. I might not have a running back who's active. So I got to yeah. take Kyron Ingram. I actually think is kind of exciting because the Cardinals are going to run a ton and you really are a James Conner ankle turn away from like an 80% snap share guy. Like, like truly like they, they, the running who's back. The dude they Corey, signed and then they immediately hurt. Marlon Mack. So Car- right. Corey Clement is the running back three, and he was just playing in the fourth quarter of the second preseason. Yeah, game. it looks like, like he's behind like Amari DeMaracado now. He like got yeah. fully, yeah, down. He's, he's so. done. Yeah. yeah. So that's my yeah, take. Think- and then Chris Evans is a good pick. Those, those are my takes. I think Chris, yeah. Pat, what, what, like, who are you taking out of this group, if anybody? I think you do. You want, listen, you want to take a guy who actually has the role if you're diving into It's like, otherwise, just like go take Jeff Wilson or. Kenneth Gainwell, you know, or like reach a little bit for Jalen Warren or, you know, like all these dudes. I mean, Jalen Warren's like, if you're reaching, you're now taking him in the 10th. So maybe that's not a good example. But there's there's other guys where I'm pretty confident that I have something. 
um, and I don't have to spend like that much more. And I can spend my last round pick on Tutu Atwell or that, Michael Wilson. That's or, the other thing I wanted to say is my favorite 18th round picks now are all wide receivers, which yeah. was not true a month or ago. Tight ends. So it's totally different. Yeah. The two V2s at tight, like if you take the 13th round tight end and the 18th round running back, I'm almost always prefer the reverse of that, where I've got the 13th round running back and the 18th round tight end, or maybe it's 12th and 18th instead or whatever. But like, if I'm going to dive into these very late round running backs, I would really prefer that they have a role. Cause I don't think any of them are particularly good. Like I don't think Chris Evans is good. I don't think any of these guys have ever shown me anything to make me think they're good. I mean, even Ingram, who is like mildly interesting was a seventh round pick. They signed Marlon Mack to be the backup. Like when Marlon Mack came in, it was like, yeah, he'll be the number two now. And they got hurt. So I don't mean, I don't know. I, I just like, if I don't have a, a, like a definite role with these guys, what is the point? And that makes me actually the most interested in Josh Kelly and Kyron Williams. So it's the grossest of the two, I think, in terms of the talent. But, like, I don't know. Like, they're the guys. Like, they're clearly the number twos there. That's That might change. But right now, I think I have by far the most confidence that Kyron Williams and Josh Kelly are actually the number twos. After that yeah. would probably be Ingram and Dowdle. Um but I don't know. I, I I don't know how much confidence to have in Dowdle. I guess you guys could like talk me into Dowdle. I don't even know that much about him. I see. I like I like Malik Davis better. Yeah, I thought Malik Davis kind of flashed. So yeah. But he's been he's he was clearly behind him in last week's preseason game. Again, he I think he played ahead of him in the first preseason game. So it's a little weird. Okay. But man, I don't know. And and maybe ultimately like these. I think these are now awesome guys on your managed league radar especially like chris evans like on my managed league radar i would be pretty pumped about taking chris evans and just seeing if he has the running back two role in cincinnati Travion. yeah you could take Travion too like man i don't know i guess one last question like that that is the way i agree with that like take the bigger swings and manage like don't don't oh i think it's josh kelly so i'll take josh kelly like that's a best ball take to be clear like bet on talent and manage because you can cut the guys yeah. The thing is, though, like in baseball mania and maybe maybe the best thing to say is like maybe maybe wait another week, another 10 days on these guys. And I think the situations will become a little bit clear with some of them. So not take like I'm not saying you have to take them now. I do think like in 10 days, I do want to be taking some Dallas RB2. I do want to be taking some Cincinnati RB2 just because, man, like they these guys have not been drafted all of best ball mania and imagine like Joe Mixon tears his ACL. Like, aren't you so pumped to have like the 50% snap share guy in since, even if it's like a full blown committee, like, isn't that such an awesome role to have shares yeah, you're, of on you're, your team? You're like, like, let's just say, for example, Joe Mixon, let, let's, let's say he gets arrested for whatever, for this incident where he was brandishing a gun before a playoff game. Like where does, where does Chris Evans and Travion Williams and um, Chase Brown go? Like they all get, spiked up yeah but like you only make a bet on one of those guys in best ball and you don't get to change so, the bet later so like yeah. there is there's what are the chances that happens multiplied by what are the chances you actually drafted the right guy and that's to me like the, in the comment here um uh suan said that he's not played that Karen williams hasn't played a preseason game which is one of the reasons maybe his adp hasn't changed 
I think that's pretty that's, cool. He's not, he's that's, not it, that's funny that like that like for a, a Ram not playing in a preseason game means you're playing in the regular season. Means you're yeah. like a starter. Means you're like not obviously he's not a starter. And Cam Akers is a starter, but he did, has did a you meaningful guys catch, role. Did you guys catch that two two rested week one, but Puka Nakua also rested in week two with with Atwell? So Nakua is like one the fourth wide receiver role. job probably yeah the rams have pretty clearly signaled who their top four wide receivers and top two running backs are like i don't even yeah. think it's a question that kyron's like clearly the running back too it's just like man it's so... you have to be pretty confident he sucks and he's he's a pass catcher i know he's not athletic but he was productive and he, he was that's the, the thing is he he's not athletic but he was good at notre dame like he, he was, was he was good yeah. yeah and and look if i'm betting on a guy who's not athletic i would really strongly prefer that he catches passes because that's a more skill-based activity where you can yeah. actually Right. If you're overcoming athleticism, you want to do or lack of athleticism. You would like to be doing it with highly skilled stuff. And he's got that. Like, I, I think I'm I'm going to get more. Chiron. I don't have a ton of Chiron on an underdog. I've got five percent of them on draft. I've got a bunch of him rounds. on DraftKings. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to start drafting him. We've gotten the information we need on Chiron. I think he's clearly. the yeah. two. I only have two percent on underdog. And I think not that that's a leak because we didn't have this information. We've had it for maybe about a week, and I sort of slept on it. But I think it's time. I think it's time to take Kyron. These are sort of the micro edges that can be gained, though, by the way, is stuff like taking Kyron Williams in round 18 right now. Because also from like a roster construction perspective, having that in your back pocket is nice. Mm -hmm. And it does, like, for example, you'd be kind of locked out of Mike Will of uh, Michael Wilson right now if you didn't really know yeah. what you were doing with those 18th round picks now. Like, you'd have to be like, well, I got to do X, Y, and Z. But now you can, if you can take Kyron or you can take Jake Ferguson or who weirdly is still available in round 18 sometimes or Tutu Atwell or whoever, like it actually gives you, buys you a little bit of flexibility back to take some of these risers. Yeah, it is tough. And, and Pat made this point because like structurally, I'm like so rarely looking for a running back in round 18 because yeah. Jalen Warren's available as my running back five in round 11 or whatever. And I'm just like, let's be done at running back and get a guy with a role like it. And then I can get, you know, whatever tight end I can find tight ends and wide receivers so easily in round 18 that I know have roles, but it's like, I think some percent of the time, like I do want to embrace the uncertainty with these late round yes. running backs who aren't being drafted at all. Like Chris Evans, I don't know how many BBM teams he's been drafted on, but like 1% of teams, like yeah, again, that's, that's a really good point. It's yeah. like, yeah, the leverage piece there is interesting. Can I ask you guys something? Because this is like almost a new topic. It is a new topic. But I just – I'm so intrigued by what's happening with the 5-6 turn where all these wide receivers who are like features of the 6-7 turn are coming up. Pickens, Evans, like all those guys. Waller, not a wide receiver, but, you know, non-running back. Kind of moving up to the 5-6 turn. And it's actually like still creating this. It's like even more running back value maybe than we had previously where yes. I thought we were going to get this, these like running back values this time of year, but it's kind of the opposite. It's gotten even more wide receiver heavy to my mind. Um, it has. Yeah. It's just, it's actually, it's very surprising to me and I don't, I don't quite know what to make of it. Yeah. It's, it it's led me to bizarre. like, it's weird. It's led me to more like true hyper fragile builds than I was doing before. I was doing a lot of like running back early, but then still ending up with five. Cause I'd, I'd take a couple early, wait a bunch, take some in the Jalen Warren range, end up with five. 
this ADP shift has like made me look at like the Sanders, the Acres guys like a little bit more, and then sometimes just stopping at four, which like I don't. You can argue if that's good or bad, but yeah, I agree with you, Pat. I don't. I got to think more about it because I honestly don't have a good answer of whether that adjustment I'm making is is sharp or, or, or stupid. It's just like it feels like it feels like to me I can the the quantity over quality at wide receiver thing. I think I have enough answers about wide receivers late that I feel like I'm okay with doing like the two, four, 10, two or two, four, nine, three thing and like being okay, but it certainly feels gross. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. I'm surprised that that's happening. Cause like Pickens, you know, I think Pickens is a okay breakout bet, but it was one I was kind of, you know, mostly in on in the early seventh round, but wasn't super excited. Now he's like in the early sixth and it's like, yeah, what is the difference between him and Bateman? You know, like I, I think yeah. the, I think I prefer Bateman. Well, so, Sean put Sean put Pickens in his 2024 second round preview. Okay. That's the difference. Well, that that is the difference. But but I guess I'm like I'm kind of leaning more towards what you're saying, Sam. We're like, shit, I I'll take Damian Pierce or J.K. Dobbins yeah. in the early sixth instead. And that's my RB3. And then maybe I grab one more and I'm done. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I've, I've been swimming against that current cause I just, I mean, but I, what I'm wondering is, am I just anchored to those previous ADPs that Jordan Addison should be a early seventh round pick and not a mid sixth and Mike Evans should be in the seventh. That's, and not the... that's actually a pretty, that it, it's very good to be cognizant of that and not anchor yourself because then you're just going to end up drafting a bunch of teams with, of fallers, which I, we don't really want actually, you know? Yeah. 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 You got to know when you're taking ADP value, you got to know if it's like real ADP value yes, or if that yes. guy is a sinking or, stone. Or if that's the direction the guy is going. Yeah. Which I, I think I've like had mixed success with that this year, trying to scoop ADP value. Like I think usually I do it right. But like Michael Pittman is an example. I have a ton of Pittman just because I was scooping so Pittman early. I was scooping value. And then it turned out I don't think it was really value. I, I, so I'm in this spot. I'm in this spot yeah. with Pittman where I don't even actually like Michael Pittman, but just structurally. Um, Pretty sure the, I fit around Pittman. And I was getting yeah, the most oh, value. For man. sure I do. Yeah, it was good value. Couple, couple good value. value. <laughs> I've got, I've oh, got. Michael Pittman because I get in a spot in a draft where I'm like, my quarterback isn't figured out yet. So I'll just take Pittman and then take Richardson and that'll figure out quarterback. I I actually, I actually think Pittman's probably a pretty shitty bet, honestly, where he, where he goes, but it's like structurally, I need to give myself a high upside quarterback wide receiver pairing. Well, here's the other issue for me with that. Cause I, I caught myself doing that on a pick where I was like, you don't even remotely like Pittman better than this guy you're about to take him over. Like if, what do you for think? me, uh, it's Dotson and Pittman. I'm like, I like Dotson way better, but I don't like taking how nearly as much as I like taking Richardson. Yeah. So I have, I'm at 13 and a half percent Pittman. Yeah. On underdog. But the, the alternate structure there is if you still need that quarterback and then you just take Richardson anyway, and you go get Alec Pierce, but I have 19% Pierce. So I, yeah. I've exhausted that strategy as well. Maybe I'm just taking too much. Richardson is my fourth most dra- most drafted player, but he's he's someone I thought about doing for the riser because I think it will occur to people he's the week one starter eventually, right? Yeah, it should. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Pittman, like I think where he goes now is 
totally fine. But yeah, it was a mistake for me to like not think about, oh, he's a guy who's going to fall once people do projections, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But man, pick 75. I've, the, the way I've been coping with my Pittman exposure is he's DJ Moore, but 45 picks later. The way you cope with it is you that's just cool. tell yourself, there's no way I have him. No, your hope is you tell yourself, there's no way I have him without Anthony Richardson. Even if it's not true. Even if it's not true. You definitely you do. Get, you definitely yeah. do. But just but tell you yourself. Can't, you can't look at those teams. Don't go back. You, can't look at those teams. you gotta just tell yourself, <laughs> I only have him with Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson's gonna start from week one. He's gonna grow into the job. And by week 17 in that dome game against the shitty Raiders, it's gonna be all ironed out. And it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, low advance rate, high win rate. Pittman's got Michael, unironically, that actually might be Michael Pittman. That's, that's good. That's, yeah, that's a good way, good way to end the show. Um, Good stuff, guys. I think we'll be back next week doing whatever the high stakes tournament is an underdog that is out at that point. Might be a bulldog, might be whatever they move on to next, but we'll be doing that draft live here. Um, so we'll send more details out about that. But if you want to draft against us, if you want to you know, draft against the losers that just scoop ADP value and end up with 15% Michael Pittman, you'll have a chance to do that. Um, but yeah, this was a good show. Davis, Pat, anything you guys have coming up um, at your respective sites uh jj is gonna be on the take cast and the sports grid fantasy football podcast this week we're gonna do uh the last two years we've done just like uh if you're not a super virgin and you're just starting to do your fantasy football drafts now like kind of like a draft guide uh so i I got that coming up and then crane and i are about to have maybe the most uh virginal virginal discussion in the history of best ball we're gonna talk about how dynasty drafting and dynasty rankings can help you draft best ball teams which is i mean that is down the fucking <laughs> that is down the rabbit hole it was eric's idea so uh maybe surprisingly i don't know that he would have been the favorite to be the most virgin wait what is that? i don't even understand but i don't i'm not even a virgin enough to understand what the what is it <laughs> wow look at sam's big time <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea of i don't know we're gonna we'll figure it out we'll discuss what the topic even means once we get on there Check okay. it out. Cool. Legendary. Anything sequence. else? Anything else for you? Pat? Yeah. Uh, my legendary running back article I'm going to have out later this week. Um, and it's free, guys. I'm, it's completely free. So sign up for legendaryupside.com. Uh, get on the newsletter. Get that delivered right to your inbox. Uh, if you do want to sign up for the paid version, you can hear me narrate this thing. And uh, that'll cost you 99 bucks for the year. But you can get a $50 underdog credit. Um on the on the main site there there's a, a form you got to fill out to give me your username and then you get that 50 dollars credit so pretty sweet deal um and i think because of the way running back adp is gone i think i'm actually going to do a follow-up article traditionally i've only done like the legendary running back article through the first you know two rounds or so um but there's so many high upside guys going in like round four now that i think i'm going to do a follow-up article uh, exploring the upside of the dead zone this year so Lots of uh, good running back analysis on the site in the next week or so. Sounds awesome. We'll be back next week doing high stakes. Until then, good luck in your drafts.